Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Chainsaws and Claws, a killer monster podcast. I am Patrick Vicious. I'm Rob the Cinema Drunkie. And, like, this week, our episodes are both, like, kind of, like, the OGs of, like, a certain... Basically, like, everything that we like now, kind of, you can almost trace back to these in a lot of ways. Um, And so, the first pick is Psycho, Hitchcock Psycho, which, uh, in, like, Scream 4, for instance, and other people will call them fucking nerds. Um, will tell you that Peeping Tom was, in fact, the first slasher movie. But whether or not you agree with that, fucking nerd, that's fine. But, like, to be, like, nobody fucking saw Peeping Tom when it came out. It's like, but everyone fucking saw Psycho. And, like, like it made, like, in 60s money, kajillions of dollars, like yeah. in actual money, probably like thousands of dollars because like money was worth more then. Um, yeah. <laughs> but um, thanks, Nixon. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but like to this day, like it's funny. You can like you can still kind of. I remember like actually like, the best way I heard somebody put it was um I was like a, it was like a hundred scariest movie moments, and the writer of uh, Reanimator, um, the Dennis Paoli, was like. In every, like, cheap slasher movie, there's a psychological thriller in there, like, buried deep. And he's like, in every, like, big, like, psychological thriller, no matter how, like, well-made, there's, like, a slasher movie buried in there, like, waiting to get you. And he was like, Psycho invented them both. And that's kind of my whole thing, is, like, Psycho, to a large extent, basically... Because I mean, the, the the first slash movie again, like we we like talked about like previously, like people argue uh, a lot of time. People always say it's it's uh, John Carpenter's Halloween, and John Carpenter's Halloween definitely started the slasher boom. But like the DNA of Halloween goes back to Psycho. Like it's not it's not, and it's not like it's it's not something that like anything that John Carpenter has been like subtle or like whatever i mean he definitely yeah. had a huge hitchcock influence when he made psycho yeah so, he was like, definitely he, yeah. he was definitely aware you know yeah. what I'm saying that the, the all the dna went back to psycho you know obviously you know sam loomis uh it was a direct reference uh as well as the casting of jamie lee Curtis, which you know his part was kind of a happy accident because he he initially wanted what was the actress he wanted? I can't remember her name, but yeah, no, yeah, he was somebody else, yeah. Yeah, and then got the Jamie Lee Curtis uh, came available. Well, uh, I will say came available. She was a nobody back at that time. Um, but uh, the, that was just, oh, this is even better. We got the daughter of uh, Janet Lee in here and shit. So this works out. So, like, Carpenter definitely understood this. Like, it all went back to Psycho, you know what I'm saying? Because he, he definitely pays tribute to Psycho and Halloween. So, Continue. But no, yeah, no, but yeah, no. Like, but my whole thing is like that's yeah. It's like I feel like as much as you want to like put all the credit to Halloween, like I feel like Halloween definitely like generationally definitely is of like that of the slasher generation. Like a lot goes back to that. But yeah. like again, it, it, the, the, the like the like the granddaddy of them all, if you will, is yeah. fucking Hitchcock Psycho because it's like literally it even sets up the structure to a large extent. I mean, Christ. You can't fucking look at like Scream without thinking of like Psycho, where it's like at the time that was apparently that's like it's that's really fucking weird. Is like watching it now, 
is like we kind of were robbed of like what it was probably like in 1960 seeing it for the first time because like by all accounts like the opening ending up that like basically the movie kind of restarts halfway through because the opening is all Janet Lee, who's a huge star who gets killed off and then like that's basically a whole movie basically to start um yeah. which then i mean that's scream definitely did with drew barrymore but then it's also like the, when they do the reveal of um norman bates uh, as the killer and the whole situation with his mother which like at that in 1960 when because i've heard um and i don't know 100 this is true but um that the uh, toilet flushing, when she flushes like the thing down the toilet, mm. was the first time you saw a toilet flush in a, in a movie. Um, yeah. So, like, if that's the case, which, I mean, I guess it probably is, um, the fact that <laughs> your killer is Anthony Perkins, who was also, like, a decent star, in fucking drag as his mother murdering people, had to be fucking mind-blowing in 1960. <laughs> No, yeah, like, because they were positioning Anthony Perkins to be, like, the, the new heartthrob. And then, and then he did this, and then, you know, like, it, it, you know, it gave him, like, a major career, but, like, not the one that was intended for him. Because then he ended up playing fucking crazy people for the rest of his career. You know what I'm saying? To the point where it's, like, he kind of, like, you know, just, like, I'm tired of this shit. They only want me to play fucking crazy people, the psychos and all that shit. And then, um... He returned to acting as Norman Bates again in Psycho 2. You know, say so kind of like, you know, he might be like, yeah, like I'm on my way out and shit, you know, might as well take advantage of this shit, you know. But like, yeah, um, with Psycho, it, 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 we were raw bitch because it's like, but by, by that point, we all knew, uh, yeah, it, it was Norman Bates. He, he killed her in the shower, you know what I'm saying? So it's like no surprise and all that shit. But it's still it's still an effective movie, incredibly yeah. effective. Oh, totally. You know, uh, I I, I watch it you know, every so often and shit because it's just a masterwork of filmmaking. You know what I mean? Uh, I, I I I love this movie. Um, I love. Uh, uh, I mean, like it, it, it's hard to talk about Psycho because it's like, what what could we say that hasn't already been said about it? You know what I'm saying? So I'm going to just try to find, like, points and shit that, that I want to talk about. Because it's like, you know, this movie has been examined to death. Like, they even made documentaries about it. Like, particularly about the the shooting of the shower scene. You know what I'm saying? The iconic shower scene. Which is probably the most uh, the famous uh, slasher movie death in, in the history of slasher movies. This is, like, basically the, the, the most famous death in movie history. Probably, like, yeah. Yeah, like, you know, it, it's the shower scene, you know what I'm saying? And, like, it's just... That man Hitchcock really knew how to say, like... Because, obviously, we know about the, the bomb under the table uh, yeah. t- theory that uh, he was he was famous for. For, for those who don't know, uh, bomb under the table technique that uh, Hitchcock, you know, was famous for is basically... Uh, you have a scene where two men are talking uh, in a restaurant. And they're they're talking about baseball, um, and there's a bomb under the table. Now you can shoot that two ways. You can shoot it where they're talking for five minutes, and then the bomb goes off. And it's like, oh, there was a bomb under the table, and it's shocking. And but that moment is fleeting. You know what I'm saying? Because you're shocked, and it's just like, oh, and then you move on. But 
showing them the audience that there is a bomb on the table at the start of the conversation and it's going to blow up in five minutes and they're ta- and they're, they're they're at the table talking about baseball and it's like no don't don't talk about baseball get out of there there's a bomb under the table get out of there and then it blows up and you're just like oh my god you know what i'm saying so that's like five minutes where you're just like you're on the edge of your seat you know because it's like this bomb is about to go off and they're about to die and shit and they don't know and it's like he he utilizes that well and shit uh in the shower scene because we could see Norman as Norma approaching as um, Marion is taking a shower and you're just like, turn around, turn around. You're about to get fucking murdered. And then she gets murdered, repeatedly stabbed to death. And it's absolutely 100% fucking brilliant. And they don't show you anything, which is the best part. Like it's like, I think it's like in 1960, like, <laughs> like gore was definitely not a thing, so it's like you just have fucking like somebody with a knife, and then like all you really. I think it's funny is like I know a lot of people. Um, they even know like the score, like the re re re, and yeah. they've never seen the movie. Like it's just like that's just it's so like iconic where it's like you, it's in like the public consciousness of like you hear re 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 like the fucking violin strings, and you see a knife. Like it's just like so it's like God bless fucking Hitchcock for like. Basically showing you nothing, but all in score and just showing there's a knife has created one of those ip- iconic pieces of cinema of all time. Yeah, and it's like he the the, the way he he shoots is like you never see it the knife penetrate the flesh. Yeah, you know, uh, and like the stabbing sounds are real subtle, which make them more disturbing. Um, also, uh, there there is a blurred out uh, breast in there. You know what I'm saying? I like, never when... noticed that, but like, I mean, I would have. I mean, because like, I, I, okay, I will tell you, like, when I saw uh, Psycho for the first time, um, it was I was uh, probably a teenager, and like, holy shit, is Janet Lee hot? Like, it's like I completely understand why she was a big star, because holy shit, was Janet Lee hot? No, nah, yeah, 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 she was, but um, I w- I won't say blurred. I say out of focus, like when uh, the the shot of the hand uh grabbing the shower curtain. Uh, if you look in the background, you can see uh, Janelle's out of focus breast. I, I don't even know if it was her breast; it could have been a double. But um, you could definitely see that, that's a booby. That's a booby in the back. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, it's like the the one thing I will say about it though is that it Psycho is one of the most famous movies ever made. You know, one of the greatest movies ever made, and it's it's funny enough that Hitchcock made it entirely as a flex. Yeah, he he um, because he had been in Hollywood in a, for for a while. And, you know, he he started out in the, in the state of England and shit, making movies, um, and became well known for that over there. Uh, made one of my 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 favorite movie of his over there, The Lady Vanishes, um. And, like, he came over to Hollywood, and he was doing Hollywood productions, you know what I'm saying? Like, Rebecca, and North by Northwest, and Vertigo, and all that shit. And, like, while, while those movies are fantastic, it, it's, like, kind of removed from, like, the more shocking stuff he was doing in uh, his native England. So, like, there was, like, like this is where people were like, oh, he's fallen off. He's not the same Hitchcock he was back then. And then... uh where it came to a head was when uh, he got beat out by uh, doing uh, Diabolique. 
he wanted to 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 make uh, the um, Les Diabolique, um which was a book. It was a French book, and he had wanted to uh, adapt it, but he was beaten by to it by H.G. Clazuo, who 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 went and made it and made a, an incredibly fantastic movie out of that. I love that movie, but like they were saying, like when uh, that movie came out, oh Clouseau, he out Hitchcock Hitchcock. You know what I'm saying? Like, he made a better movie than Hitchcock has made in years. And Hitchcock was like, oh, y'all want to fuck with me? <laughs> Am oh. I a joke to you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, oh, all right. All right. I got y'all. I got y'all. We'll, we'll see. We'll see. So he made this, and he made it on a low budget with the with the crew from uh, his, um, Alpha, yeah, Alpha Hitchcock Presents. And just was like, all right, y'all want to talk shit now? Here. And like he had people just like, oh my god, like you know, say like I could just imagine like the the audience reaction, like when they, when they first saw this piece, like like you said, like you're watching like an outright murder, like you know, just a brutal murder, and like back then that was just the the pinnacle of violence on screen. Like to say, you don't even see the knife penetrate the flesh and shit, but it's just like the fact that we're watching this woman getting stabbed to death and shit, and you see the blood, which was Bosco. Yes. Um, Syrup, yeah, because yeah. it was in black and white, so it wasn't gonna fucking matter. And uh, what's it's funny is like I think I want to say it was a similar situation for Aging Bull, because like um, it's a weird thing where like for some reason like fake blood when you do like when you use chocolate syrup and it's black and white for some reason looks like real blood, and then like if you try to use like fake blood in color, it just there's just something about it that's unnatural. I don't understand it for life for me. Yeah, and, and I'm glad they didn't shoot it in color because the fake blood back then would look terrible. Yeah, fair. <laughs> it, it, it looked like entirely all, all like paint. Um, what was that fucking movie that came out? Uh, was it the? What was that dude, the Godfather of Goy, made the first gore movie? Yeah, uh, Herschel Gordon Lewis. Yeah, what was it? Blood Feast mm-hmm. was the movie. Yeah, and that movie fucking sucks. <laughs> yeah. I, I remember I, I, I gave it a one star review on Letterboxd. I said, I don't give a fuck if this movie is the first gore movie ever made. It fucking sucks. <laughs> it's a it's a terrible piece of shit. Like the blood looks terrible, the gore looks shitty. This movie sucks. Like, you know, I, 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 I Oh, but it was the first gore movie. It, it still fucking sucks. I don't care. This movie's a piece of shit. You know? So it's like yeah, Hitchcock knew better. You know what I'm saying? Like, like, yeah, let's just use Bosco, and 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 it, and it looks great. It, it it looks like actual blood and that shit. And I think that was deliberate with uh, Raging Bull because you know Scorsese. I think he shot one of the boxing sequences, like the shower sequence, uh, where he edited it in, in that manner, and he knew he was going to edit it that way. You know, like uh, the shower sequence, you know, in Raging Bull. Because uh, Martin Scorsese is a not not only a master filmmaker, but he's just like a, a student of the game and shit, you know. And he respects all cinema, which is why uh, I feel like anytime he he says something, he can say whatever the fuck he wants and shit. And these nerds and shit there lose their fucking minds and shit every time he oh fucking Scorsese, fucking the boomer uh, talking all this shit because like, he's allowed. Yeah, Leave him. No, to... I, mean, cause, cause, I mean, yeah, no. To be fair, like. Even I, who am like the marvelous, probably still the marvelous Marvel nerd of like all the dudes we know, 
Like, even I, like, whatever, he was just like, fuck that guy. I'm like, what? Like, I was like, you're saying fuck Martin Scorsese? Like, are you fucking out of your mind? Like, I was just like, I was like, I don't agree with him completely, but I agree with some of the things he's saying. And even if I didn't, like, he has the right to say what the fuck he wants. Like, he's been doing this for, like, literally, like, okay. Like, almost every director, because I used to do this when I was, like, working at a video store, where I would, like, basically track a director's career, and you could see, like, the build and, like, the peak, and then you could see, like, the kind of the downturn. Mm. Um, and really, like, what, like, he's, like, a freak, because it's, like, there's only a handful of dudes who just really never had a downturn. Like, he didn't, nev- he definitely had a peak, but, like, even, like, after the peak, he still stayed at such a high level. It was never, like, a sloping downturn. Yeah. So I was just like, that dude has been making movies that have been great and continue to make movies that have been great for longer than we have been alive. So I was just like, you should shut the fuck up and, like, let him do what the fuck he wants. Like, the only thing that I was offended by was, like, when they, like, were, like, they had, like, Coppola jump up. And I was like, fuck off. Like, I was just like, you, literally the last time you made a good movie, I was eight months old. Fuck off. Like, I don't want to hear from you. Like, it's like, nobody cares what you have to say right now. Like, you can go to hell. No, no, like, see, like, I can understand why why Coppola jumped up because it's like they 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 all piling up on his boy. You know what I'm saying? No, I get that, but it's yeah, still but, like but, but, but like no, yeah, your dude, opinion means nothing to me. <laughs> like yeah, dude, shut up. You know what I'm saying? Because you know you you you're 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 spotty as fuck. You yes. know what I'm saying? Like yes, you made Apocalypse Now. You made yes. the conversation. Oh no, 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 his first like he came out the gate with like some of the best movies ever made. I'm not arguing that point. But like the last time he made a movie that was really good, um, he did that I thought that I think that I thought were great movies were um, actually both in like within I want to say like six months of each other was um, the one two punch of Outsiders and Rumblefish. Yeah. Ever since then, because it's funny, even like my friend Dave, um, when I had said that, like where I was like he hasn't made a, gr- a great movie except like it's like since I was like eight months old, and I saw him and I was like, don't you dare say Peggy Sue got married, and he was just like, I know, he's like, I thought about it, but I realized I couldn't say it was a great film, so that's fine, you're win. <laughs> I was just like, okay, we're all set. Yeah, 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 totally. You know what I'm saying? Um, it's funny enough, it should come back to Psycho. Like his first movie is a Psycho ripoff. Yeah, <laughs> Coppola. You know what I'm saying with Dementia 13. Which is a fun movie, which I enjoy. Um, but uh, he was tasked with, because uh, Corman was like, oh my God, that, that psycho movie made like gajillion dollars. You know what I'm saying? We need to do something like that. And then he said Coppola to do it. And Coppola made like, you know, this nice little uh, effective uh, like uh, crime thriller, like borderline slasher. Yeah. Um, and Corman was like, no, you have to have more murders in there. <laughs> and Coppola was like, no. And like he, he went behind his back and added a, a beheading in there, um, which Coppola has uh, taken out of like the official release because uh, Dementia Thirteen was in public domain for years. And uh, uh, what was it? Uh, was it Lionsgate that released? Uh, no, the Vestron. Yeah, it was Vestron. Yeah, I mean, Vestron owns Lionsgate. Yeah, yeah. That you were well, no, well, Lionsgate owns Vestron. Oh, that's um, what I meant. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. Um. So like yeah, and, and that was his director's cut. So he took that scene out, and I was like, no, leave it in, leave leave the the extra beheading in there. It, it makes no sense, but you know, leave it in there. You know, Corman Corman was right. Corman knows what he's talking about. You know, say so that's why Corman has persevered and shit for you know decades and centuries. You know, 
the, the Corman is still the fucking man. God bless Roger Corman. Um, but like, yeah, like it, it all comes back to Psycho. You know what I'm saying? It's like where even like people like you know Coppola. I mean, like, yeah, he hasn't made a good movie in a while, but he's still a massive filmmaker. Um, he could be considered one because, like, yeah, he he made Apocalypse Now. Uh, yes, Apocalypse. but he also made Jack. So, like, let's let's just like keep expectations in, in check here, because like, yes, I I do think he made because yeah, Apocalypse Now, one of my favorite movies ever. Godfather, Godfather Part Two, two of my favorite movies ever. Like fucking conversation, great fucking movie. Love that movie. It's like, but it's just like I'm not in The Outsiders and Rumblefish. Love both those movies. Like he's made some of my favorite movies ever. I'm not saying whatever, but I'm also saying in our lifetimes, he has basically just made differing levels of mediocre or shit movies. Is all I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. Like he, like, oh, the 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 Cotton Club was the beginning of the end. Yes, it um, was. Because Cotton Club was uh, and then what was it after that? Um, I think the was it Peggy Sue got married or was it uh Tucker, the man in his dreams and shit that came I first? I want to say Peggy Sue came first. I want to, yeah, say. yeah. And then uh, he needed a hit, so he made the Godfather Part Three and fuck, yeah, yeah, yeah. To be fair, I have not seen the little like the coda version that he recuts. Yeah. So like I have no idea if it's better, but I remember for years, um, I was like when I bought the Blu-ray box set of the Godfather movies, I was like, oh cool, Godfather one and two. <laughs> I was just like, and it was like, and Godfather three, which is a delightful bonus feature. I will never be watching. And um, my friend Kevin, um, who did the theme of the show, um, did like he we did some episodes on the old podcast about Godfather, and he talked me into watching Godfather three, and I watched it. I was like. I'm not mad that I watched it finally, but I understand why everybody fucking hates this movie. Like, it's not that it's, like, aggressively bad. It is just so fucking mediocre compared to the two of the greatest films of all time that preceded it. Yeah, yeah. And then the fact that he cast uh, his daughter in a major role in, you know... I mean, I mean she's to be fu- fair though, it's Sofia Coppola. <laughs> like, I like, she's yeah, not like, the, filmmakers, but yeah, the, I, yeah, I was about to say like she's turned out to be a fine filmmaker, you know, what I'm saying herself. But um, Jesus Christ, we, <laughs> we could we could see why she went to directing because acting was not her forte, not one bit, not one bit. You know what I'm saying? And then like uh, also, yeah, he made a uh, Bram Stoker's Dracula and. Which we both have, yeah. See, Rob's being nice. I'm going to say, fuck that movie. Fuck that movie in the fucking sun. Everyone who likes that movie, I'm glad for you. And I'm glad that you have joy in your life regarding that movie. But I fucking hate that movie. Not like, it's not like my least favorite movie ever, but it's probably my least favorite Dracula movie ever made. Like, and I can't really think of anything that I can argue that with. Like, yeah, it's it's the movie that, uh, well, until Knock Knock. Uh, featured the worst Keanu Reeves performance. No, 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 no. I would still say, despite my hatred of Knock Knock, I'm sorry, Mike. Um, <laughs> but um, despite my hatred of Knock Knock, I would still say Bram Stoker's Dracula is Keanu's worst performance because I remember when I was a kid, um, for like for my entire childhood, I loved Keanu Reeves, like I loved Bill and Ted and like whatever. And people were like, he's a bad actor, and I was like, fuck you, he's great. What are you talking about? And then I saw Bram Stoker's Dracula, and I was like, oh. <laughs> like, I get it now. So it's like, yeah, that movie, and I, and I tried to rewatch it a couple of years ago, because I was like, 
it was the same situation as like the Rob Zombie's Halloween, where I was like, maybe I'm wrong. And like watched it again. And much like Rob Zombie's Halloween. No, I wasn't. I was right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then um I, I will say though that like even in that movie, it was like um I would I would say that it features also Winona Ryder's worst performance ever. That's probably yeah. true. Yeah. Well, Mr. Deeds, maybe. <laughs> oh yeah. Um like like Gary Oldman is probably the only one who survives that movie because he knows exactly what the movie yeah. he's making. Yes. Uh you could say the same thing about Anthony Hopkins, but Anthony Hopkins is just the worst Van Helsing ever. Like he is absolutely fucking awful in that movie. Uh it's like Peter Cushing, you ain't homie. <laughs> like, no, and like, yeah, no, I mean, that, that thing is like, I was just like, I, this is as close as we're ever going to get to doing Bremsticker's Dracula. So if you're not enjoying this, then you should be happy because, like, this is like the least, like, this is, oh, yeah, if we were doing never... the episode on it, we would fucking, we would just rip it to shreds. So, yeah. like, but no, yeah, like, there's literally, as you said, like, the, like, Gary Oldman is the one part of the movie that does make me want to fucking take my own life watching it. Like, I, it all, okay, that's not true. I do think, it's visually really interesting. Um, it's visually, it's fucking beautiful. Um, but literally everything else about it, except for Gary Oldman and the visuals, is fucking awful. I just, I fucking hate it. Yeah, and, and then the fact that, I mean, I like the idea he had of, like, utilizing old school techniques. Yes. And, 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 like, I, I appreciate that. Um, it's It's the... Like you know, taken from like Sam Raimi, the it was just like I remember Edgar Wright said this himself and shit when Ed, Edgar Wright was on um a retrospective documentary on the Evil Dead and he and he said that you know when Coppola came out with Bram Stoker's Dracula you know you see the four shot in there and it's like oh I know where you got that you nicked that from fucking Evil Dead how could you Coppola how cheap and it's like Edgar Wright is correct. Yes. <laughs> Edgar Wright is very correct. Like, dude, seriously? And it's like, uh, you know, I mean, it's Sam Raimi, so, you know, it's like, yeah, steal from Sam Raimi, but it's Well, like, yeah, it's like, we, we talked about, like, and we did, we did Evil Dead and we just did Dark Man, and it's like, I do think Sam Raimi's influence is actually kind of underrated in terms of, yeah. like, uh, filmmaking, because I feel like a lot of people stole from like let's say like tim burton but you it's very clear when you stole from tim burton because it's very obvious um whereas sam raimi because his style was so unique but it's also not something that if you're not like if you're not a fan of his you don't necessarily see it um when people steal it so it's like i think that there's like a lot of people that have stolen from sam raimi and sam raimi doesn't get the credit for it that he deserves which is really it's such a fucking bar like, like, yeah, like, uh, and I know they're, you know, incredibly popular, you know what I'm saying? But even the fucking Coen brothers. Yeah. And when they did Raising Arizona. Raising well, Arizona. to be completely to be fair, though, I will say with the Coens and Raimi, since they came up together, I feel like I give some, like, leeway on that. Because I feel like that was less, like, stealing from and more like we all kind of came from the same place with the same influences. Yeah, but it's, it's Sam Raimi started out first, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, like with with the Evil Dead, as, as a matter of fact, I think it was Joel who was uh, assisted on the edit. Yeah. yeah, you know what I'm saying. So they're like, they're, they're, they're like, I'm I'm the Coens obviously learned a bit or two and shit from Sam before they went out and did Blood Simple and they're raising Arizona. Um, but it's like th- that's the thing. It's like with Coppola, 
it's like, yeah, you're a master filmmaker, but you're stealing from Sam Raimi, where it's like everybody else is stealing from like other masters. Like uh, when uh, Lucas did uh, Star Wars and shit, he was stealing from Kurosawa, you know what I'm saying? Fucking uh, Spielberg and De Palma were taken from uh, Hitchcock and Scorsese as well. And, and shit. Like, Yeah. Like, you know, uh, what's it called? Uh, Spielberg uses the, the Vertigo shot in Jaws. You know what I'm saying? De Palma, you know. Uh, <laughs> you just say De Palma. Period. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? You really don't have to name movies. You just say De Palma. And it's like, <laughs> yeah, we get it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? I obviously uh, mentioned already uh, Scorsese doing that with uh, Raging Bull and shit, but it's like, yeah, like it all, like it, it all, in a sense, goes back to Hitchcock. You know what I'm saying? Because he, he, he literally changed the face of, of movies. Like he changed how movies were done, how movies were looked at. Um, it was, it's, it's like what's that saying? Um, like everything that every technique that came before him is obsolete, and everything that came after him bears his mark. Um, and a lot of it comes from Psycho, especially with slasher movies. You know what I'm saying? It was like like stabbing deaths and shit like 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 you mentioned scream and shit and i was thinking about that opening scene and shit where uh ghostface is stabbing casey drew barrymore and shit and the way the the, yep. the, the blaze is coming down is very much psycho influenced um i obviously well, like, also I mean, yeah i mean that's the whole thing is like that kind of was used in like every slash movie that's the whole thing is it all came from psycho yeah you know what i'm saying like see see here's the thing you know what i'm saying it's like you know like you know, say people will say Halloween, and then you got you know you got your people that's like, no, it was uh, uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. No, it was Black Christmas. Uh, people will say Psycho. Then it's like, no, it was Peeping Tom and shit. I like to be an Fucking asshole. Nerds. Yeah, I like to be an asshole and be like, no, it was Cabin and Doctor Caligari. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, and they'll be like, what's that? And I was like, yeah, you fucking nerd. See, you don't know shit. But <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, like you know, what I'm saying. Like, oh, of course, you, you you never heard of it and shit because it's like, oh, I'm not going back that far. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's no, like what was that, that shit that was just on Twitter and shit where um, <coughs> someone said that um, a film professor told a student that uh, he needs a new uh, major because uh, they asked him to uh, watch, uh, to study Casablanca. And he said he refused because he doesn't find anything in Casablanca interesting. And, and, and the, 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 the film professor told him, you need a new major. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And, and everybody's like, oh, like, that's rude to say. And it's like, no, he's correct. You know what I'm saying? Because it's like, he did, he's not asking you to love the fucking movie. He's just asking you to study it. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Because regardless, it, it's important, like, if, if filmmaking is your passion and shit and is your goal, it's important, like, you know what I'm saying? If you want to move forward in filmmaking, you have to know what came before it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, no, I mean, like when I went to film school, like uh, briefly, like the only like the, the 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 professor showed us so many movies I did not give the slightest fuck about. Like we had to watch like Singing in the Rain and shit, and it's like I appreciate the filmmaking of it. Like it's like and because of like watching it for the class and like whatever, but it's not something I would ever like watch on my own. But like you have to like yeah no like you it's like that's the thing. The thing is like when you talk about like the whole thing of like um psycho and its influence on like carpenter and like the palma and like spielberg like, i mean and scorsese everybody and then you like but then thing is then you filter it down and then it's like 
and then their influence on like all these like directors from like the 90s and then then those directors influence on all these directors like now and it's just like it's kind of like it's like the thing i like remember i talked about like in terms of like punk rock where it's just like even if you don't like like let's say like the stooges or like the ramones whatever it doesn't matter because something that you like is somehow third fourth fifth hand influenced by them because somebody you liked liked something that liked something that like so that even if they don't like those bands even if you don't like those bands you still have to respect those bands like i don't like the beatles that much but like i totally respect the beatles for what they did to music and right. i think that's my whole thing with like in terms of like filmmaking like i feel like you have to if something is recognized as a classic it's for a reason like it's not like things just like especially because like i mean like now that's why it only happens like once in a great while like things will like kind of flare up like on like twitter for like a hot minute but then they kind of like go away mm. and like so something sticks and means something so it's like and like the fact that like you have psycho where it's a movie that is literally like all like it's it's almost within the next two years to be old enough to by itself to like collect social security and like retire but like you watch it now and it still works and it's still effective because of how fucking good like how well made it was and like that's the thing that like kind of does like drive me insane is like i know you said like uh like what can we say that hasn't been said but the whole thing is like i do feel like it's good to keep bringing it up so that it doesn't get pushed to the side yeah. like because that's because it's like oh it also for that matter like um because we had discussed this kind of a little bit um, when uh, Epler was doing um, the second movies on Cobwebs, yeah. um, where, like, I remember hearing... Because when I, when I first... Um, when um, Van Zant was doing uh, the remake, um, I wasn't... Because I was still really young, so I wasn't like, why is he doing this? Well, like, either you, that was definitely the, like... In all, like, the critics and everything were all like, what's going on? And then, like... Um, and I never disliked that movie... Um, but then like, uh, rewatching it, it's just like, Jesus Christ, like, but it's like, that was what he was doing was he was, cause I, I heard him on Marin's podcast and he was just like, the whole point of it was to do an experiment where it's like, let's say we do everything exactly the same. Like I do every shot exactly the same. We do the exact same locations. Everything is exactly the same. He's like, do we make the same movie? And the answer is no. Because no. it just, it had to be just, it was just the right place, the right time, the right filmmaker. It just, it just happened to be all these things that made Psycho into this thing. It's like, and I don't, and again, I don't dislike the remake, uh, but like, it's a situation where it's just like, it's nowhere near what the original was. Right. Just by virtue of, it just was this perfect fucking storm that created it. Yeah. Like, yeah, like, uh, yeah, I don't like that movie at all. Um, but... I do appreciate him doing that, you know what I'm saying? Because, like, it's, it's like, I, I don't like it as a movie because, like I said, it, it's just, it, it doesn't come near. But I respect it. I respect the audacity. And because it's exactly like what you said, you know, you know, you do the exact same thing, uh, but do you get the same movie? And it's like, and it's like everybody involved with that movie is just in a different caliber of artists than 
you know, everybody who actually made made the original Psycho. Uh, Vince Vaughn is a great actor, but is he uh, Anthony Perkins level actor? It like you know, you know, Anne Hage, who you know recently departed Anne Hage. Is she the same caliber of actor as Janet Lee, uh, Julianne Moore, you know, uh, Viggo Mortensen, uh, William H Macy, even Gus Van Sant compared to uh, Alfred Hitchcock? Are they the same caliber of artists and shit that you know, you know, they're uh, you know who who they're basically continuing on from? The answer is no. They're they're, they're a different breed. So well, that's like, the thing, gives though, them... like, you said the, the breed is actually like what I would kind of like agree with because like, the caliber thing I think is unfair because it's it's a different time. But that's yeah. the whole thing is like they're literally, it's like it's hard to compare them because it's like is. Anne Heche a, like, better actor than Janet Lee? Maybe. Like, in terms of, like, the way that you, like... It's, it depends on how you are thinking about acting. Like, is yeah. her performance more, like, real and true to life? Probably. But is it as iconic? Obviously not. Because she doesn't have the same star quality that, like, Janet yeah. Lee had. And it's like Vince Vaughn, where it's like... Where I don't like his performance as Thurman Bates at all. Um, and, I, and it's like against Vince Vaughn as an actor. I think Vince Vaughn is a great actor. Oh yeah, absolutely. Just, I just don't think that like he had that. It's just a different quality, and that's the thing is like. But at the same time, it's like just like Gus Van Zandt, and also there's a part of me that like wants to, like I, this. This is this is my own like little theory, um, where it's like I feel like Gus Van Zandt um, after he made Goodwill Hunting, which was basically just an indie movie that just became huge, and they just started giving him like bigger movies. Part of me wants to believe. That like he just wanted to go back to making little movies, so he sabotaged his own career by doing Psycho. Where he's just like, well, when this fails, they'll never ask me for anything again. Like it's just like I'm gonna go back into my little corner, and they can just fuck off. Um, but like again, it's like it's a different breed of filmmaker. Like and also like they had different goals in terms of like when you're making movies. Like and I don't think either is better or worse. I just think it's just different. Like it's just like it's like they came up and like because like you go with. Um, when you have like Hitchcock, it was very much in the era of like kind of, which I'm not going to say is different now because it definitely isn't, but like um, like almost like the opposition of art and commerce when he's making movies, and you have certain guys who understood how to do both. And I think Hitchcock is a guy who knew how to make movies that would be very successful, but also had very rich artistic content, and then like like. Gus Van Zandt kind of more follows in like the footsteps of like the seventies filmmakers who like were making stuff seemingly with no intention of what, of, of it making money. I mean, it's like, it's like when you made like easy rider, for instance, like nobody involved thought it'd be a blockbuster is my guess, but like they were yeah. making a movie that they wanted to make that like that didn't exist. And it's very like true to life. And I think that's what Gus Van Zandt's approach was. So I think that his approach in of itself is very different um, than Hitchcock's approach, but also I think that's what makes it interesting in terms of like approaching it. Where I kind of wish he had just done his own thing instead of just trying to do a shot for shot remake. Because yeah. if you had remade Psycho and it's a Gus Van Zandt movie, I'd be like, I'd be interested. That would be, I think that would be a really like weird fucking movie, but like in a good way. Um, whereas like Hitchcock would just like as you said, like he was basically just making it to prove that he could. 
Like, yeah. because, like, everyone was basically, like, it was, like, forgot about draining him. And, <laughs> like, he was just, like, <laughs> he was doing the movie to basically prove that he was still here and he could still do everything that you thought, like, that, that everybody, like, stole from him. He's like, I can still do it better than you. Yeah. And, like, as a result, you end up with this movie, which is, like, again, it's fucking almost old enough to collect unemployment or sorry, collect uh, retirement, but it's like it still fucking works. No, yeah, yeah, totally. Like, it's like I said, the man made one of the all-time great cinema classics entirely as a flex. Yes, you know what I'm saying, and 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 that that's saying something. And it's like, and, it, and it's weird too. It's just, as much as I, I I love Diabolique, people don't even recall Diabolique or even know that movie exists, which is a shame because that movie's fucking great. I mean, um, I do, but it's, I mean, I knew it. I actually knew the remake first because that they did that remake that came out in the nineties. Speaking of remakes, um, I don't. I never saw it, but I've never seen the trailer. I did, and yeah. then, uh, <laughs> and um, and then when they were doing uh, hundred scary movie moments, which I mentioned earlier, um, my brother and I, after we saw that um, special, like that whole that series, um, we like went through all of those movies, and Diabolique was one of them. And yeah, no, that movie is that movie's awesome. I'm not disparaging that movie in any way, shape, or form. That movie, that movie is fucking great. No, yeah, yeah, and and Clouseau is a fantastic filmmaker. If there's anything like he, the watch Diabolique, but also watch his other film, The Wages of Fear. Yep. Um, which was remade, <laughs> ironically enough, as a sorcerer by uh, another uh, great uh, filmmaker from the '70s, William Freakin. Um, which also was awesome. I, yeah. I do love Sorcerer quite a lot. Oh, yeah, I love Sorcerer. You know what I'm saying? And it's funny, too, it's a remake, but it's, they're two completely different beasts, yeah. even though they essentially do the same thing, which is which is different because it's like, it's exactly what you what you were saying about Van Zandt, um, that he, like, you wish he would have done it his own way, which is exactly what Freakin does with Sorcerer. Yeah. You know, like, he, he took Wages of Fear and he just did his own thing with it, you know? And um, it's unfortunate that that movie was released two weeks after uh, Star Wars. Star Wars. <laughs> like, and, and, and like, it was, you know, predicted to be like one of the, the, the you know, the big blockbuster, highest grossing movies because this was his follow up to The Exorcist. He just happened to release uh, two weeks after Star Wars and got steamrolled. Yes. <laughs> uh, real bad. Uh, like that was the beginning, the end of like uh, American cinema. <laughs> and it's like, and, and it's unfortunate because you know, it's not like Lucas did that intentionally, because he, he was just wanted to make this fucking throwback to the movies he watched, like with the serials he watched as a kid, like Flash Gordon, um, and like they 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 had no idea and shit that it was going to be the biggest movie of all time. Well, that's the thing is, I feel like it was kind of like almost like it was, it, not the death of American cinema, or whatever. It was just kind of like the death of. Kind of like, and I didn't say the death because it, it, it kind of came back. So I, mean, I guess it was like before it was reanimated, if you will. Um, but like the idea of kind of just like the auteur, kind of like the like indie before indie, like the, that 70s era of filmmaking that then kind of gave way. Because Star Wars, actually, even before Star Wars, really Jaws uh, kind of started it. Yeah. But like, um, it was that one two punch. Yeah. Um, that kind of turned like everything from being kind of that era of like five EC pieces and whatever to then making everything very like blockbuster driven, which isn't to say like the, there wasn't many great films 
in that era, like that were fucking like I mean, there's many like even like blockbusters that are fucking great by those guys. Like fucking even like fucking I mean like the thing is like E.T. is part of that era. E.T. is a great fucking character piece that happens to be a huge fucking blockbuster. So like there definitely yeah. is room for both. Like that's why I would say it never really died. It's kind of like became other things and eventually kind of rose from the grave. No, like you but you but you see that where it's like yeah. Uh, at the time where Sorcerer had a much bigger budget than Star Wars did. You know, Sorcerer, I think, was like between 21 to $28 million, which was a huge fucking... Which was a lot of fucking money in in, in 1970s money. Uh, compared to, like, Star Wars, I think, was like barely $10 million. Yeah. Well, they also and, they had no faith in Star Wars. <laughs> anyway, I thought like, Lucas became rich because they were like, he's like, I want the merchandising rights. And they were like, hey, we don't fucking care. Take yeah, like, like, it's just like, <laughs> what, are you, what are you going to do? Make $4? Who the fuck cares? Yeah, like, like <laughs> this, 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 this guy wants to keep all his rights to toys. Like, this movie's going to make zero money. <laughs> How much did it make? <laughs> like, and, and like, you know, say, and like, it, it, George Lucas made so much money and shit that he sold Lucasfilm for billions of dollars and then gave it all away because he didn't need it. Yeah, I got, I got billions all over the place. What do I need? What do I need four billion dollars for here? You get a billion dollars and you get a billion dollars. <laughs> I don't need it. You know, whatever. <laughs> and they're just like, oh god, it could have been. It could have been all billions of dollars, you know. But um, yeah. But you would never see that happen in this day and age where uh, a movie like star Wars has a lesser budget than something that's basically like, you know, that just a character driven cinema. I mean, to be fair though, I mean like you do kind of, cause like in recent times, terrifier two was made for 250 grand and made $10 million, which is a huge fucking return on investment. So it's like, that is, I mean, it does still happen. It just, it's less frequent now. Yeah. Um, well, like, like here's the thing. Like, you, you were talking about the death of uh, of American cinema. Like, I I think that was like the beginning. Like, you know, the first nail in the coffin, and where like the final nail in the coffin came was like, uh, Heaven's Gate. Well, that uh, yeah, no, that era of like, yeah, no, like Heaven's Gate definitely like was like the end of that era. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Ch- Chimino put fucking uh, uh the the auteur <laughs> in the in a fucking grave with that one. You know what I'm saying? Uh, and then after that, it was just purely fucking blockbusters after that and shit. But, like, yeah, like you were saying, like, um, yeah, there was E.T., uh, fucking Die Hard is a great character piece and shit, and that's a fucking blockbuster. T2, it's a yeah, fucking Terminator 2, Terminator. And, yeah, like the first Terminator, I think, is like that's it's, that's a brilliant character piece that just happens to be essentially like a fucking sci fi slasher film, but it's also yeah. like a brilliant character piece, yeah, uh, The Abyss. Uh, I I always come back to the best like that has great just fucking character uh, development and acting and all that stuff and shit. So it's there and shit, but like now it's just like fucking uh, it's like being a fucking Disney World. Not necessarily. I mean, I I just I feel like it's a matter of like it's. But I mean, I'd say I've been saying for a while. Like I definitely think the the pendulum is swinging back um, because like I think that like people are starting to get kind of like because I mean I do like I I don't think there's. Your argument is valid. It's the same thing as like Coppola or uh, Scorsese's argument, where it's like it definitely. It's like I definitely think that there's room for that in the marketplace. It just shouldn't be fucking all that. But like at yeah. the same time, you can do stuff. Like I think that like, for instance, like Deadpool is like a really interesting way to do that 
genre, but also not necessarily make it all about like spectacle, but make it about characters and like I mean like and make it about comedy and make it about like different genres blending together and like how whatever. So it's like I definitely think that it exists, but like it just it's a matter of it just it's it's a pendulum swing. Yeah, I I I would have said Deadpool two was a great example because like like the first time I watched it, which is the only time I watched it because I've never returned to it since, is that it it was a great, you know you know the, the way it took Wade Wilson through this the this arc of grief and yeah. learning how to you know to deal with grief you know not just for uh, Wade in that movie but also Cable. Yeah. You know, it's just like, you know, going through the journey of being able to let go, you know what I'm saying, and, and deal with your grief, where it's just like, you know, you're, you're going to be, obviously, continue to be sad that, you know, a loved one is gone, but, you know, there's, it's it's going to be all right. Everything's going to be okay. And I, I, I thought that was beautiful until we got to the, you know, the credit scene, which absolutely undoes everything about that arc. And I've been like, fuck that movie ever since. And I've never returned to it. I'll never watch it again. Because fuck Deadpool 2 for that. <laughs> like, you, you had beautiful, beautiful message right there. And you fucked it up because uh, test audience was like, no, you can't kill Vanessa. We gotta bring her back. You know what I'm saying? You can't fridge her. Fuck you. <laughs> you know? They're, they're telling a story here, but like, you fucking crybabies and shit. It's just like, oh no, please don't kill her. You know what I'm saying? And then fucking Ryan Reynolds and she was just like, all right, because he's a fucking coward. <laughs> <laughs> and, and he went back and he changed and reshot that to change it so that Vanessa lives. And it's just like, you just you just made your entire movie pointless. Like the the, the message, you know, the, the the character's arc, everything we just want, everything we just watch means nothing now, because you were a coward who who fucking just wanted to please the audience that was your only concern so fuck you um yeah and i've never given a shit about deadpool 2 ever uh, like i don't even give a shit about oh we're bringing uh hugh jackman back as wolverine for deadpool 2 i don't give a fuck (laughs) i'm never returning to your series again because you're a fucking coward well it's just like you know it's that it's that level and shit like imagine doing that in the 70s and shit like you know oh we want to bring you back fuck you (laughs) it's our it's our movie we we do what we want with it and and you know that's why you know we appreciate like age old cinema like that you know like like guys like Scorsese and shit because they would never do such a thing. Coppola, you, you know, we talk shit about Coppola a bit here, but he would never do such a thing. Carpenter would never do such a thing. Oh. Um, and Hitchcock would never do such a thing. You know what I'm saying? Because it's like, like yeah, like you know, you want that audience participation. You know what I'm saying? But it's like. We're we're artists with a story to tell, and we're going to tell our story however the fuck we want. You know what I'm saying? Because it makes sense to us. Like how like letting the audience dictate, you know, how you fucking like your story goes and shit is just coward shit. Yeah. You fucking pussy. Like I, I'm still mad about that. Um, but like yeah, it's like, it, yeah, like going back to like the pendulum swinging thing you which you were saying where it's like I, I remember. A story where like a guy, I think he was a critic, went to see a uh, Ex Machina, uh, and this was around the same time that uh, Age of Ultron was out, and like he was waiting for the movie to start, 
and the manager came in telling them that the, they, they've canceled the screening of Ex Machina so they could show an extra screening of fucking Age of Ultron. And it's like, like, that's just the pinnacle of fucked up, yeah. if you ask me. Yeah. It was also like, uh, didn't they force uh, the hateful weight out of. Uh, yep. For Star for, Wars. <laughs> yeah. For, for fucking uh, Force Awakens. Like and that annoyed me to where I was like I almost fucking uh, canceled my 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 because I had tickets for Force Weekends and I almost canceled it because that made me so angry that Disney would do that where they would force Quentin like you know the theater to drop Tarantino's movie just so they could show Star Wars and it's like and Tarantino was like it's going to be the biggest movie ever it's going to be one of the biggest movies of all time who gives a fuck about my movie like I made my movie specifically to be shown at this specific theater. And it's like, oh, you know, Disney, of course, the mouse and shit, fucking steamrolling everything. You know what I'm saying? And it's like, like and it's like people don't care. You know what I'm saying? They'll hear that story. It's like, who cares? You know what I'm saying? Because I'm getting my Star Wars. I'm getting my Marvel. You know what I'm saying? I got I to gotta see what happens in, in the next chapter of, of the Thanos saga or the shit, whatever. It's like, who gives a fuck, dude? You know what I'm saying? That's why I have no problem with what Scorsese said, you know? For the record, like, I, 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 I care. <laughs> just, just for the record, I care. Like, like the, the where I would disagree with what he said, where he was like, you know, um, where, where he said that, uh, like, he, he, he feels like the, the Marvel movies have no emotional stakes. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, well, I mean, I, I don't necessarily agree with that because I, I do have emotional attachments to, like, like especially, like, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy 2. Um had like a nice big emotional moment for me in there quite a few of them um uh i think uh the captain america trilogy you know yeah. first avenger winter soldier and um civil war. especially civil war like civil war with uh where uh they're walking away after beating the shit out of tony yeah. and he goes like uh you don't deserve that shield my father made that shield and cap just drops it cuz tony is right He's correct, and he doesn't deserve it. You know what I'm saying? And it's like that. All three movies have a wonderful arc and shit. You know what I'm saying? Like I love that moment in a uh, Winter Soldier where uh, we've 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 gone so far off the beaten path here. <laughs> but 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 whatever, whatever. Um, where he goes back to where, where Cap goes back to his old base, yeah. and like he sees it, like himself. You know what I'm saying? And it's like that's him remembering like you know why exactly you know they chose him to be Captain America because he's still that soldier. But that's where the change happens, because like you know, there's a there's a through line. The one thing I will say is like the thing is like we were just like talking about Endgame before we started recording, and I was like the kind of like but the, the the finishing of that arc I think is also like really kind of beautiful, just by virtue of the fact that like in Endgame where he has the moment when like because like, I I'd heard somebody say like their theory, which I thought I thought was interesting, where um because um Cap knew that Bucky was responsible for um for Tony's parents' deaths was why he couldn't lift Monier, um, because he was holding that back. And that's why, like, when he finally is kind of, like, broken free of all of his bullshit, why there's that moment in Endgame when, like, the hammer comes to him, and then, like, he uses it for the rest of the movie. But, like, the whole thing is, like, the, like, the final moment when he's taking on Thanos, and, like, he's by himself, like, everybody else is fucked, and he has his broken shield, and he just, like, tightens it to his fucking arm, and he knows he's gonna die... But he's just like, fuck it, I'm going down fighting. I can do this all day. Yeah, yeah, and, it's just like, and then it becomes the fucking Avengers Assemble moment 
but it's like that's the whole thing is like that's the basis of that character that's why i think that that works it's because like it's what you can do in terms of long-form storytelling of like you show that he is always that guy like he's like yeah. in the end that's that he is that guy and that's the thing that's why i don't like the whole idea of just like shitting on marvel as just like on moss like as like yeah. a whole thing because i do think that there is definitely the opportunity to do really great shit in there it's just a matter of there's they're not all necessarily gonna be fucking home runs is like my only real concern with it and the fact that like there was people who were like so fucking feral about it that they were like fucking refusing to even listen to Scorsese's criticism and just being like, fuck that guy. Like I love Marvel. And I'm like, I love Marvel. I love DC. I love fucking like all of this shit. I love, I, I loved it for as long as I can remember, but like, it's not his point. Is not invalid because of that? Like you can like appreciate his point, while also enjoying things. Like, it's entirely possible to be like, no, Marty, I understand what you're saying. I just think that this is good. <laughs> like, it's like, whatever. Yeah. Um, also, like, to, 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 to let you know, the Russos then ruined that theory. Yes, I know. By, by, by saying that, uh, oh, he could always lift it. He just didn't want to embarrass yeah. his friend Thor. And I'm like, yeah. shut up! <laughs> the other theory was better. But, you know, what, what, I, what I love about... Cap's arc is that you know he the way he starts out you know he, he's just that kid who wants to fight you know what I'm saying because he, he you know he feels like you know um, he, he is like you know he, it's like just because of the way he is that like you know he he still deserves like you know to put his life on the line like you know he doesn't deserve any like special handouts or anything you know he's honest he's an honest dude you know what I'm saying he's honest and he's dedicated and he's dignified and all that stuff but and then when you see him in the Avengers and shit, then he's in a different world where, you know, not everyone is truthful and like they're all lying to each other and like he's taken by surprise. You know, he's like, we're still fighting the war. Like, you know, we got war. Like, you know, that that line, uh, we have orders. You know, what I'm saying we must, you know, abide by them. You know, it was like, but like, not everyone is truthful and shit. We're all bullshitting here. And then, uh, you get to. Winter Soldier and shit, and he's kind of like used to the lies already and shit. Like you know when they do that first mission on the boat, yeah. And it's like, uh, uh oh, it's you know saying they, they didn't get lost; they were trespassing. You know what I'm saying? It's like, okay, this is, you know, whatever. And then like you know, but like he's getting used to like, but he's still that same guy. But then when he gets you know, Civil War, now he's the one telling the lies. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, like he's the, he's the one who's being untruthful. Like, you know, when the fact that don't bullshit me, Rogers, did you know? Yeah, Tony, I did. You know what I'm saying? And it's like when when Tony was like, my father made that shield. And he's like, I am undeserving of this. And, th and that's when he drops it. So it's like it makes perfect sense that because he's lying to Tony that he he's he's on pure. So he can't lift Mjolnir. Yeah. So it's like it makes more sense. Like, you know. Once he's redeemed himself, you know what I'm saying, and him and Tony are, are fine again, he can lift it. And then here come the fucking Russos with, oh, he can always lift this. Shut the fuck up. This is this is pure, perfect, you know, cinematic art, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's just a, an amazing arc for this character, the most pure character in the entirety of the fucking Marvel Universe you created. And you're fucking it up with this happy-go-lucky bullshit. Shut the fuck up. Well, also, I will say, though, to their, like, credit, <laughs> I do think visually um, 
the way like they're telling that story is cool because like, like the point you're talking about it's basically like when he has the shield and he has the shield in one hand and he has bucky he's carrying in the other yeah and when he drops the shield it's literally him dropping essentially being a superhero for the sake of his friend like it's yeah. basically just like he's like this is more important to me and like that's, that's why i do think that like as like that's, like, I, like that's why i do think in terms of like superhero like just like in terms of cinema superhero stuff can be great and can be actually legitimately like good films like like good cinema it's just a matter of it can also be nothing it can also just be fucking cgi shit like i completely understand both sides of the argument it's a matter of that thing is like i hate people who are piling on in either direction like that drives me insane we're just like there's literally a middle road but you're all jumping on either of these piles. It's so much more difficult to jump on these piles and find a place that is to walk down this middle fucking road and be like, no, you're both insane. <laughs> like, it's like... Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, you know, we're so far removed from the days of Richard Donner, Superman. Yes. You know, which is actual, like, pure American cinema. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Like, um, you, you like, and it's like the it's, the beauty of Richard Donald Superman is like many different movies at once. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like the, the like the first like what 15 minutes and shit where they're on uh, Krypton, Krypton. Uh, <laughs> sorry, Brando, <laughs> Krypton. Um, it's like you know, like you know, space opera kind of thing, and then like you get like you know that nice kind of like uh, uh, middle section of shit where they're in a uh, um, Smallville. You know, it was like, you know, this like in this old like American trauma and shit. Almost like uh fucking uh George Stevens level uh beautiful fucking Victor Fleming, you know, with like, you know, the sky is pure blue, the grass is pure green, it's like normal Rockwell painting. Yeah. Um and then like you get to Metropolis and shit, and then you know, you got the hustle bustle comic strip kind of thing going on and shit. And it's like, yeah, that's real American cinema. You know, it's something that we haven't seen since. Um, because it's just like uh, like you said, like there, there are fucking good uh, comic book movies that could be done and shit, but it's like it seems like everyone's just wanting it to be like just basically toys punching each other. Yes, for but, but, two but, hours. Like, it's like I like because one of the things that like Scorsese said in that article that I really like, I do like subscribe to, is he was like content when people use the word content, it was talking about like thematic elements of a film yeah or like whatever tv like whatever like a piece of art and he's like and now content means everything from a fucking cat video on youtube to like the biggest movie uh on cinemaplexes to like netflix series everything and he was like and i was like the thing is i was like that is no i do think that's the thing it's like the fact that like you have when you have stuff that doesn't have any content to it, like content without content, if you will, that I completely, I'm like, this is bullshit. Like, I'm just like, and it's like, I'm just like, yeah, I might be entertained, but it's not something I'm probably going to ever do. It's like, I mean, like, uh, and I, I really feel bad because I, whatever. Um, but like this weekend that we're recording this, uh, the Mario Brothers movie came out and seeing, uh, which I haven't seen, um, so I have no opinion on, but seeing Vice's review of it kind of summed up what I kind of got from the trailers where it's not anything like it's yeah. just a movie that's basically just like it's not about anything it's like, like they're just it's just shit happening and I was just like that's my whole thing too is it just like I hate that 
But like, I would rather have because, like, because like, going back to what we were talking about in the first place, like Psycho, it's like, yeah, like I feel like if you were like on like a base level, like talking about Psycho, it is your as what I said like, at the top of this when Paoli talked about like the whole like the, with the idea of it being like kind of like the slashers thing, where it's like at its basis level, it could very well be like one of the million fucking slashers that came in its path, mm. and it could be like nothing. It could just be like whatever. It could just be like this, like like a fun little romp that you just forget about. But because yeah. it like became like it, because the people that made it were so good, you made one of the greatest movies ever. Even though I mean, admittedly, like it's not necessarily like the most like of even like Hitchcock's work. It's not the most like nuanced movie by any stretch of the imagination. Mm. It's just like it's it's very much what it's trying. It, it's 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 only goals to be what it is. And it's but it it's so good at being that that it's perfect. So it's like in terms of like we're talking about like Winter Soldier and shit. That's kind of the reason that I don't feel bad saying about like like saying nice things about that, even though there's definitely people that are like ah, like it's just like it, at at it's the same thing as like Psycho. It's mm. the same thing as like it's a million movies you can bring up where it's like. It's not necessarily the most like complex thing in the world, but it's the best possible version of what it is, and that means something. No, yeah, yeah, and like there's a lot of comparison there too as well with, uh, um, like what I said about Superman because it's like, uh, Psycho obviously gave birth to you know the modern slasher film, and it's like, I mean, like you you've definitely had movies since like you know that have. I I don't know if I could say come close to matching it, you know what I'm saying? Because films rarely do match Psycho, like as 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 far as greatness goes. But it's like movies where it's just like 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 Halloween. We were saying where it's just like I was saying, yeah, like that's my it, favorite it, horror movie yeah. of all time. So like in my mind, it's better than Psycho. It's not, but I'm not saying like it's actually because I don't necessarily. How do the fuck you compare art? Um, but like it, to me, like it, it's more meaningful, personal. Yeah, you know. No, it's just like, yeah, I, I prefer Halloween. Uh, I actually prefer Psycho 3 over Psycho. Uh, I know Tarantino prefers Psycho 2 over Psycho. And so, so it's, just a ma- it's just a matter of taste. Don't bite yeah. my fucking head off for it. Um, not you. I'm talking about the audience. <laughs> uh, like, what? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm also the guy who prefers Alien 3 over every other Alien movie. Which yeah. that is just lunacy, but that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like you know, it's like you know, watching like like I was saying, like watching how the superhero genre evolved from Superman, you know, what it became to where it's just like nowadays and shit, like where you still have great movies in there and shit, but a lot of the time it's just toys fucking slamming against each other. You know, like you could say the same thing with slash movies, where it's like, you know. It, it it's you know it started right, right here, and you still have great slash movies who you know take the material very seriously. But it's just become you know a lot more dime a dozen than superhero movies and shit because you know horror movies are just because they're um, you know attachment to like low budget feature filmmaking, they're easier to make. So it's like you know especially slash movies they come a dime a dozen. So you you get a lot of shitty bullshit in there, you know. But like you know, uh, like every so often you get a scream. Like you know, the, the Halloween you get a scream. You know what I'm saying? Uh, that that reminds you just like how 
beautiful like the subgenre could be. You know what I'm saying? And you, you really have, you know, for case in point, we really have Psycho to thank for that. You know what I'm saying? Because if it wasn't for Psycho, we wouldn't have gotten Halloween. You know what I'm saying? And then, like, you know, it's, it's Halloween is definitely the blueprint because it paved the way for, like, you know, you know every movie that that followed in the slasher genre. Everybody wanted to be Halloween, but it's just like Carpenter knew where, where you know, the DNA relied, you know what I'm saying? That's with Psycho, you know what I'm saying? So that's why it, it pays direct tribute to that because Carpenter knows who the original master is. Yes. You know what I'm saying? So... It, 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 like like I said, it all comes back to Psycho. All right. So to continue on of our movies that started at all uh, episode, we're going back to the to the original zombie epic, so to speak, and that is George Romero's masterpiece of horror 1968's night of the living dead i try i try i try to do it like the, the trailer guy but i fucked it up he was like night of the living dead he he says it like a hundred thousand fucking times in that trailer and so you know, but um yeah like me and patrick were talking about doing this pairing and it was just like we'll talk about doing psychos like well, you know, we got to pair it with uh, Night of Living Dead and shit because those are the originators. You know what I'm saying? Because there were zombie movies before Night of Living Dead, but like they were like voodoo zombies, like we yeah. discussed when we did uh, The Serpent and the Rainbow. You know, like White Zombie is probably the most famous one, or I Walked with a Zombie. Um, but Romero changed like the face of like how like changed the way we looked at zombies like i mean necessarily they weren't really essentially meant to be zombies yeah in they were ghouls yeah, yeah ghouls uh or as cooper um calls them all the time those things yes <laughs> like, like that that's the, that's the, almost the biggest like you know kill the brain and you kill the ghoul you know what i'm saying but like cooper is just like those things those things out there actually i remember when i was younger uh, as as I, I wrote a zombie movie, well, I, I attempted to write a zombie movie, and the title of it was Those Things. You know what I'm saying? That was me paying tribute to, uh, and I was going to do the thing where, you know, you never hear the word zombie used uh, through, throughout the movie. You know, and it's, it's, <laughs> like Show you, the Dead. They're like, this is the Zed word. It's ridiculous. <laughs> but don't use that word. What? That. What? That. But that's what they are. <laughs> Uh, showing it there, but like, like, uh, see, it's another thing with Psycho. It's just like everything just comes back to Romero and Night of the Living Dead, where it's just like it's the same thing. Like he completely changed the way we looked at zombies. You know, where it's now it's just like every everything, like everything bears the like every zombie movie show bears the mark of Romero, unless they're doing a, like a twenty eight days later thing. And then it's like, where? Well, I mean, fair, that bears the mark of America. I mean, like the whole thing was like the whole idea of Twenty Eight Days Later was she like, why we to this day have this stupid fucking argument of like, oh, they're not zombies, they're infected. Fuck off, um, fucking nerds. Um, <laughs> but, um, but my whole thing is like, um, Danny Boyle said 
outright. He was just like, the goal was to make a zombie movie. It just, we were trying to solve the problem of like zombies are slow. How do we make zombies fast? And so that's why they came up with the idea. But like their whole thing of it, I mean, like that movie is not subtle in its themes being very similar to the themes that like were explored by Romero in his original zombie movies at the time. Like, oh, yeah. Especially like in terms of like the military, like and then like, I mean, like yeah no like it, it definitely like it, it they're not that far apart. This is my point. Yeah, yeah. Like even in twenty eight weeks later, you know they still continue on with those themes. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like with the military and all that shit. Um, uh, but like yeah, like you know Walking Dead. Um, uh, obviously you know it's going back to the zombie thing. Like you like you know its original comic form and in 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 the series. Um, like I remember, uh, like, uh, uh, Robert Rodriguez, like he had that script for Planet Terror for years, you know, saying like his, his big zombie movie and like, like, like even go before that, like, uh, from dusk till dawn, he considers a zombie movie. Um, I think I've heard, sir, fuck you vampires. Vampires are great. I love vampires. Fuck off Rodriguez. Leave them. Like, what the fuck are you doing to me? Wow, that's big coming from you saying fuck. I know, Rodriguez. I know. I love Rodriguez. He's a god to me. I refuse to like. I will not accept him trying to take away from zombies or from vampires though for zombies. No, I will not have this. Yeah, not in my but, house. Like, like, and I, I think that thing. Like, he always wanted to make a zombie movie, and like, you know, that was at that time that was the closest thing he could do. You know, what I'm saying was from Dust to Dawn. But then he got his chance with Planet Terror, and he had that script for a while, and like, um. I don't recall who he said this to, but he told him like, "Oh, zombie movies are gonna come back big." Elijah. I know it. I think yeah, yeah, zombie movies are gonna come back big. I know it. I, I, I know, I know they are. And then, uh, and they did. Um, after uh, the remake of Dawn of the Dead, well, I, I would say that's Twenty Eight Days Later, and then like, because I, mean, I feel like you don't have the Dawn of the Dead remake without Twenty Eight Days Later. Yeah, that is true. But like, it was it's like, um. Because, like you said, it, 28 Days Later was kind of an anomaly because it was like, are they zombies? I'm like, yes, they fucking are zombies. Um, but, like, people were like, are they zombies? And then, like, Dawn of the Dead, like, they, they're clearly zombies. You know what I'm saying? Like, it, there's no question about it. That's what Snyder is saying, that they're zombies. And then, like, like, and it's funny enough that allowed Romero to, you know, because he had been trying to make Land of the Dead, I guess, for a while and couldn't get funding until a remake of one of his movies was successful that he was able to get funding, which is the saddest fucking thing that Romero couldn't get funding for a movie. Well, I think it was a combination of that, but it was also like, um, it, there was like the, the, basically what he was trying to get funding for it. It was during like, like the, the, like the nineties and when horror was like, in we've, as we've established before, like, yeah. or was in a weird fucking place. And then like when, so it's like, I definitely think like Dawn of the Dead 20 days later probably helped. But I feel like it was the fact that, like, um, when you had, like, Freddy versus Jason and, like, The Ring and shit like that making, like, a kajillion dollars, it was, like, they were just, like, looking for any fucking horror script they could find. And it was, like, oh, hey, George, you had something, right? <laughs> it was just, like, so I think it was more of that than anything. Yeah. I mean, we, we should also know that uh, the, the, the zombie, the second zombie boom almost died out again because of uh, Uva Bowles' House of the Dead. Yeah. Which which uh uh Zach Snyder stated that uh, his budget was cut in half after the failure of that movie, because it was like twenty eight days. Oh, zombie movies are back. House of the Dead comes out. Oh, maybe not. 
Um, <laughs> to be fair, though, like, why would you give Yuva Ball a lot of money? <laughs> no, like, it was like, what was it, like, fucking Nazi gold or some shit that he was yeah, working fair. with? <laughs> I really hope that isn't true, but... <laughs> Like, like it was something like that. Like it may have not been not to go, but like he was getting like tax incentives. Like you know, that's why he got like huge budgets to to make shit. You know what I'm saying? It's like, uh, and like he got big stars. Like that fucking in the name of the king shit. Like how the fuck did you get all those people and get all that money to make that shit? You got Jason Statham, Burt Reynolds, Ray Liotta. You know what I'm saying? It's like Jesus Christ, dude. <laughs> He got Matthew Lillard and, and and essentially like this fucking poor man's poor man's fucking Lord of the Rings directed by fucking Uva Bowl. Um <laughs> like Jesus Christ. But like yeah, um so like it it all it all essentially comes back to Romero in this movie. You know, this 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 masterpiece of horror, you know, which like essentially he was the first of the four horsemen. You know what I'm saying? Because this came out in oh, 60. Yeah. Wes, he, Wes Craven has even said, like, the influence of Night of the Living Dead inspired him because he was just like, when he saw Night of the Living Dead, he was just like, watching what George did. He's like, you can do whatever you want in horror as long as you scare people, but like, you can talk about whatever you want. And that inspired him. So, like, yeah, he yeah. definitely, yeah. Carpenter, too, because as Carpenter was doing a QA on Assault and Precinct 13, somebody asked him if he was inspired. By Night of the Living Dead, uh, you know, saying because like the, the the gang essentially act like yeah. zombies in that yeah. movie, and he was like, "Who wasn't inspired by Night of the Living Dead?" was his answer. Yeah, and I'm saying we all were inspired by Night of the Living Dead. You know, so like, yeah, uh, George was definitely the originator. Um, also, I like the fact that like he originally not only that and shit, but also like uh, the Four Horsemen's problem with authority. Um, Cause like yeah, you could tell from the get Romero does not like authority figures. Like it, it, like he, he says it with this film at his beginning and shit was like authority fucking sucks. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And that that be a running theme throughout the majority of his, especially the, the dead movies. Um, particularly though in Day of the Dead, um, where he's just outright saying fuck the government. <laughs> yes, yes, Romero, fuck the government. Um. And now we're on a list. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I, I, I've been on that list for quite a time. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> like, we, de- we definitely on it. Like, what were we talking about? What were we talking about? Fucking, uh, we mentioned ACAB fucking many yeah. times. <laughs> <laughs> so we, we, we've definitely been there for a little bit. I have but, referred to the ACAB Candyman on more than one occasion. <laughs> the allegiance that I pledged to ACAB Candyman. <laughs> Absolutely. But, yeah. Um, and, and it's funny, too, enough, because, like, there's one thing we were saying. We were saying this to each other off mic. But um, how uh, R- Romero, like, essentially, when he was making the original Dead Trilogy, like, the, the the messages that he had, the themes he had run throughout it, weren't essentially the uh, the point. They were just like you could tell it was just something that was brimming within him, and it just seeped into his you know his heart. Like he's mainly telling horror stories, but it's like his resentment of authority and the government and all that stuff is just seeped in there. You know what I'm saying? Like like as Dawn of the Dead as well. I think with Day of the Dead, it's much more 
brimming to the surface. How he feels about the government, he's essentially making the statement there. But like this and Dawn of the Dead were a bit more subtle. Um, but like like this one is like a different time because you know, uh, you know, you had like you know the the, the, the you know subject of race in this movie, which is driven to the surface, you know, through the character of Ben, uh, played by the great Dwayne Jones, which was a happy accident with himself because he he did not write the character of Ben. Uh, as, as a black man, like Dwayne Jones was just the best actor for the part, and I'm saying and when he cast him, he was like, yeah, he, he was great, and he came in. Then he realized afterwards, and she was like, oh, maybe we could say something here, but like that wasn't his original intention. Yeah, that's why. Like I remember, like a lot of people talk about the. Um, they were like, oh, were you talking about like Martin Luther King um, with the movie? And I guess he his story that I remember hearing on Hundred Scariest Movie Moments was. Um, that they threw the movie in the back of a car um, to go try to sell it, and they heard on the radio that Martin Luther King had been shot. So, like, the movie was in the can when MLK was killed. Yeah, yeah, most definitely. Um, also, uh, like, this, like he, he was really taking risk in this one, too, and shit, because uh, by making... Uh, the hero of your movie, a, 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 a black man, you know what I'm saying? You're, you're, you're definitely making it there. You know, there's no turning back after that. Uh, particularly when uh, uh, Ben slugs the shit out of Barbara. Yeah. You know, which uh, Dwayne Jones was actually apprehensive of doing. He was like, dude, I got to walk around and you got me on screen punching a white woman in the face. Yeah. <laughs> like, dude, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, Come on and shit, but like he eventually did it and shit, and it's like that. That's that's a real big moment, you know what I'm saying? Like, and 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 Ben slugs a few white people in this movie, <laughs> especially Cooper and shit. You know what I'm saying? Cooper definitely deserved his ass whooped, you know. Um, uh, and and it's like it's like too. It's just like you know the the, the character of Cooper and shit. You know what I'm saying? Is uh. I, I like that he's not inherently written as a racist. Yeah, but 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 you get that which makes feel. sense because if you were if he was written to be a black man, then why would he like? Right, right, right. But like you know, what I'm saying like it, it. It seems like every um uh moment that they have together, like antagonistic moment they have with each other, it could be perceived as that, even though that's not the, the original intention. Like I always say though that. Uh, uh, when uh, Ben tells uh, Cooper to get down, like, you get the hell down in the cellar. You could be the boss down here. I'm boss up here. And it's like, I was like, Cooper looks like he wants to call Ben the N-word so bad in, in that moment. And he goes, you bastard. And I was like, yeah, he wants to say the N-word right there. But he just went with bastards because Ben's holding the gun. <laughs> also, um... <clears throat> When they're watching the the TV, the news program, and um, what does the Cooper say? Oh, they, do they think we're imagining this? And Ben goes, "Shut up!" And you see Cooper look at him like, "It's like, yeah, he wants to say it there too. <laughs> <laughs> he wants to say it there too." And I think Ben knew that because if you look closely, when Ben sits down, he puts the rifle on his lap, but he points it in Cooper's direction. Like, go ahead, say it. I dare you. I double dare you, motherfucker. Go ahead, say it. Say it. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> uh, I should note that um, 
and and uh when when it comes to horror movies that uh as far as characters go ben is my all-time favorite horror movie character i i i love ben and i'm saying it's just like it's just like like you know what i'm saying because it it, it, it might have been more like a thing back in 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 the 60s you know what I'm saying just the fact of seeing like a, a a black man as a hero. I mean, I think uh, in the heat of the night already had come out by this point. So I mean, so yes, Mr. Tibbs. Um, but in in a, in a way that you know, say, but he's more a detective. You know what I'm saying? In that one, doing the investigation, Ben is out there fucking fighting zombies and killing them, stabbing holes in their foreheads and shooting them. Like he's a full on like like action hero kind of thing you know what i'm saying and it's just like it, it i mean to me like it's, it's it's still a beautiful thing you know to see you know and i'm saying we're, we're we're so far removed from there and shit like you know we've had many uh black men uh heroes in movies like you know of course wesley snipes you know career michael jai white you know what i'm saying carl i mean weathers. Carl, yeah carl weathers steve james um the, the late great steve james but like I feel like you know you, you don't have any of them without Dwayne Jones as Ben. You know what I'm saying that that kind of like just that thorough hero, you know, uh, kick ass and take names later. You know what I'm saying? Uh, like 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 literally um, when uh, Dwayne uh, Dwayne Jones like Ben first appears on screen and shit, the first thing he does is just go beat the shit out of zombies on the on the front lawn, you know. He comes in, he asks questions and shit, like, you know, what's going on? I don't know. All right, fine, shut up, bitch. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go fuck some zombies up, you know what I'm saying? And then he does. You know what I'm saying? And it's like, he, he's a thorough hero, you know what I'm saying? He takes control of the situation. You know, there's other people there and shit, you know what I'm saying? Like, Cooper tries to assert authority, and Ben is like, dude, you get the fuck out of my face. You know what I'm saying? Like, that, that you know, just, just imagine, like, the fucking uh, the the mindset of racist white folks in the sixties, <laughs> when when a black man tells a white man, "You could be the boss down there. I'm boss up here. Like I'm running the show. Fuck off, motherfucker." You know what I'm saying? You could imagine like you know, racist ass white folks was like, "Oh, <gasps> well, that's the thing. It's like it's kind of like the the psycho thing where it's like viewing it in context is weird, because like, to me." It's not even like a fucking like woke thing, whatever bullshit. But it's just like it's as you said, like it's it's so like common, like in movies. Like I never like saw it as like anything other than just like that's just the dude. Like it was never like a thing of like that's a black dude. Yeah. Um. It wasn't until like hearing people talk about like the context of it. It's because yeah, it's like, it's like the psycho thing. We're just like. Hearing people talk about it, it's like holy shit! Like it's like I can't fucking believe. Like because again, like it was being made. Because it's like again, it's like it, the way we look at it as this, we just have never. I'm not saying we haven't experienced like, especially the last several years, um, blatantly racist people or anything, but like it's to watch it now. It's funny because it's just like you're looking at it as just a movie but like when you think about it in the context of like they finished the movie and then Martin Luther King got shot and then you think about all the things that were happening at the time that Martin Luther King got shot it's just like Jesus Christ like the balls that fucking George Romero had 
to make the movie with this guy and for this guy to get the performance that he does is like, it's actually still almost like underrated in, tr- in that respect. Like it's like, yeah, maybe not for George so much, but definitely for Dwayne um, in just like how per- powerful that performance is. And like, especially for like that time in that place. Cause again, it, it doesn't feel like anything when you're watching it now in a context. Cause like my, my whole thing is like, we, you know, this, um, some people know this, but like, I used to fucking hate Man of the Living Dead. Like, fucking hated it. Like, it bored the shit out of me the first time I watched it. When I was like a teenager, I was like, this is the most boring bullshit I've ever seen in my life. And then, like, years later, um, I watched it again because I was like, maybe I'm wrong. I watched it again. I'm like, nope, this is still really boring. I don't like this at all. And then, like, it was, I don't know exactly what did it. Like, in the last couple of years, I remember, like, I watched it in, like, probably like 2020. I watched it for, like, the first time in, like, like basically, I watched it, like, every decade. And then um, when I watched it in 2020, like, it finally clicked. And, like, I was just like, oh, this is fucking awesome. But, like, it took me, like, a long time to get there. It's like, it's like now when I watch it, I'm like, oh, like, I've watched it a bunch of times since. And I'm like, oh, this is really awesome. I don't know what the fuck. But it's just, like, for whatever reason, I just couldn't. There was, some, there was things in it that I just couldn't, like, jive yeah. with. And then, like, when I finally, like, get it, it's just like, oh, shit. Now I completely understand why people love it. Because I always loved, like, Dawn of the Dead. I loved a lot. And, like, um, I like Day of the Dead. Um, I even like Land of the Dead. Um, but like, I just never liked Night. And then like, all of a sudden, it's like, was I finally like, got into a certain place mentally? I don't know what it was, but it was just like, oh, this movie fucking rules. And like, I do think like a big part of that is like, because it's it's funny how like Romero, like, I don't know how to put this in a way that doesn't sound vaguely insulting. I'm not trying to. Um, it's like when he made movies that were not dead movies. They were just kind of like, with the exception of, I do like Creepshow a lot. And I do think Creepshow is very special. Um, but most of the stuff that he did, good or bad, like whether, whatever you think of it, that's fine. But like, it's very kind of like, it's almost like movies that anybody could have made. Like they're very kind of like by the numbers. Yeah. Um, but when he was doing dead movies, it's like he became one of the great horror filmmakers one of the great filmmakers in general and I, I don't know if it was just because he felt like he could he could say more when he was doing them or because he felt like he was doing something original that was like in his heart and it wasn't just like maybe he was just when he was doing those other movies they were just money jobs I don't know but like when he did Night of the Living Dead it's funny because like I said like we mentioned like the whole like Carpenter and Craven influence but it's just like just the idea that, like, he was making something on no money that, like, ended up being one of... I mean, granted, I guess it's probably not successful in most terms because it's public domain. Yeah. But, like, it's one of the most, like, seminal fucking pieces of art. And not just, like, movies. Like, not just horror movies. Like, art of all time. Like, that's fucking astonishing to think about. Like, yeah. I don't even know. I don't know how to process that. <laughs> right. It's in the it's in the fucking Criterion collection. Yeah, that's what I have. Is the Criterion one? Yeah. yeah, yeah so do I. Like, but I have multiple versions uh, of this movie, except that 30th anniversary version that uh, was spearheaded by John Russo, where he added new material that he shot on video to the movie. It's the worst fucking thing ever. <laughs> like, because like, John Russo is a fucking vulture. Uh, piece of shit. I, I, I don't care how old he is. Fuck that guy. <laughs> F- 
fuck that guy. Like, uh, um, I remember he he wrote Return of the Living Dead, um, and he had written it much more as a sequel to Night of the Living Dead. And Dan O'Bannon was like, "Dude, no, there's only one king of this shit, and that's Romero. Yeah. So I'm gonna do my own thing." Um, I should know Return of the Living Dead is actually my favorite zombie movie of all time. But like, it's one of my top ten horror movies of all time. But and like one of my top twenty movie like movies in general of all time. So like, I'm not in any way. I will not stand for any slander of Return of the Living Dead, but I don't believe that you will. So go ahead. No, 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 no. I'm not slandering uh, Return of the Living Dead at all. I love Return of the Living Dead. I'm slandering John Russo for being yes. a piece for being a scumbag piece of shit vulture. Um, like, but like, yeah, he pushed like, yo, make it like this, and Daniel Bannon had the the, the, the oversight to be like, no, I don't want to intrude on Romero's thing because he is the, this is his turf. He is the king of this shit, so I'm just going to do my own thing. And then that worked out for him, which it, it worked out for him too well because it essentially hurt Romero in the end because Return of the Living Dead came out, and that was a smash, and people loved it. So when Romero released Day of the Dead, nobody wanted to see it because everybody was just in tune to um, Return of the Living Dead, uh, which was then uh, that momentum was killed off by Return of the Living Dead Part 2. Uh, unfortunately, uh, because I love Return of the Living Dead Part 2. That was the first zombie movie I ever saw. Um, so there's a bias to it. But uh, if, you know, if we're going by anything, Night of the Living Dead is my favorite zombie movie. Um, it, uh, like, I tell people that and they're like, but what about Dawn of the Dead? I love Dawn of the Dead. I mean, a little less so and shit by the fact that Romero had uh, John Amplis and Brownface. Um, <laughs> That's fair. I remember we, we, we discussed it uh, on House of Screams, and I took points off in, in my final score. I was like, I, I love it, but I, I, can't, I can't forgive John Amplis and Brownface. I can't forgive they, them casting John Amplis to play a Puerto Rican. You know, me being a Puerto Rican man myself, it's like, seriously, Romero? Seriously? There was no Puerto Rican actors <laughs> in all of Pittsburgh that you could have found to play a Puerto Rican guy. You put Martin... In fucking brown face and then called it a day and then when he actually does cast a latino actor in one of his dead movies uh uh in day of the dead he cast him as a huge fucking pussy <laughs> um it's like what have you got against latinos romero <laughs> like what the fuck dude <laughs> like seriously uh whatever I, I, I still love you man but god bless you but that that was fucked up <laughs> um um, but also, it's like, uh, it, it's weird, too, because Night of the Living Dead is the one that is is a big fucking bummer of a movie. Yeah, like, Dawn of the Dead ends with... I mean, they're uh, all kind of bummers. So, like... But not, I not, mean, not... I mean, the world is fucked up and shit, and there's no turning back, so whatever. Um, but... And I don't want to say much about either of the two and shit because I, I definitely want to discuss them at some point, Dawn and Day. But Dawn ends with a little glimmer of hope. Not much, but it's there. And Day is a lot more hopeful with its ending. And I'll, I'll say that much. Night at night? No. Night ends with a big Fuck you. <laughs> oh, man, does it end with a big fuck you. And you know what? I appreciate that. 
because the 60s were an angry time. You know, race relations was just all fucked up. Um, And Romero admits he was very angry because, you know what I'm saying, Romero, by all all accounts, was a very liberal guy. You know what I'm saying? I mean, uh, the the brown face thing. He hated Latinos, but otherwise. (laughs) Like, I I don't know why, um, but, you know, whatever. Uh, that's that's another discussion for another time, um, but uh, you know, it, like for for all accounts, he seemed like a, a very liberal guy. So like, you know, the, the race relations of, of the sixties had him angry, and you could tell in this movie, like Romero is is at probably at his angriest. Maybe like, um, it's between this and Day where he seems to be the most angry. I would probably say Day is he's he's more angry because that's like the whole government thing because the character of Rhodes. Is I was like, gonna say like, my favorite, like the reason I liked because it's funny because like as I said like I didn't like Night of Living Dead or um I did I didn't like Night of Living Dead but I liked Dawn and Day but the main reason I like I liked Dawn actually as a film but Day the reason I liked it was because all of Rhodes' lines are delivered like this and I was just like this is the best movie I've seen my entire life. Yeah, yeah, like that was that was a. A good thing about Romero, one of his uh, best things was that he uh, he just let actors go for it, regardless of whether they were a big star or not. It was like, hey, you want to go for a big, sweeping, uh, over-the-top performance? Be my guest. Like, um, there's a great story. Excuse me. There's a great story where um, uh, during the commentary for uh, Dawn of the Dead, um, it was him... Savini, uh, his wife at the time, uh, Christine uh, Romero, and uh, the moderator, Perry Martin. This was for the, the old Anchor Bay uh, DVD. Um, and Perry Martin related to them that Galen Ross had admitted that uh, she lied on her resume in order to get the, the role in um, Dawn of the Dead. He was like, you know, it's like she, she made up all these parts that she had, you know what I'm saying? She was fairly new. And, and Romero was like, you know, he feels bad. He was like, you know, she doesn't realize she didn't have to do that. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? She was fine. You know, I would have cast any of it regardless. You know what I'm saying? You know? So, like, he he was good for that. Like, you know, uh, hiring new actors and just letting them cut loose and shit because he definitely lets Joe Pilato, uh cut loose. <laughs> that man just goes for it. And, and, and God bless Romero for letting him because that is a performance for the ages. Um... But like yeah, like uh, the same thing we're here. You know what I'm saying? Because Dwayne Jones was fairly. I think Dwayne Jones was more or less a stage actor than he was. You know what I'm saying? And just a great iconic performance. You know what I'm saying? Uh, you know, like 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 I said, like you know when he tells Cooper, you, you know, you could be the boss down there. I'm boss up here. You know that 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 is saying something. You know what I'm saying? For a black man to say that to a white man back in them days, uh, I could just imagine. White folks in the South and shit were just livid, foaming at the mouth. Good, fuck you, racist piece of shits. Um, uh, I mean, uh, certain actors less so. Uh, what was the dude that played uh, um, whose name is escaping me? Uh, the young couple. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, he did. He was not good. Well, to be uh-huh. fair, the one thing I will say is, like, and I don't mean this to be, like, since you already insulted them, it's fine. Um, it's, like, 
I don't think anybody in the movie is like bad, like outright bad per se. But like, I do think Dwayne Jones is on an entirely different plane. <laughs> like, it's funny because like you watch it, and it's like I do think like I think it's like I was like it's all differing levels of like whatever. But like, it's funny how like, you watch it, and it's like fucking Dwayne Jones is like doing like especially for like a fucking low budget, no budget fucking horror movie um is doing this big like this like this very like nuanced performance and like this really great performance and everybody else in the movie is kind of aware of the movie that they're in and yeah. it's like and i think like that, that was also just the caliber that like romero could get but like i don't think anyone in the movie is outright bad um like i don't think that like the young couple are great but um, I definitely think that like um, the best actors are Dwayne and um, the guy who played Cooper, and actually the guy who plays Cooper's wife, I think, is also really good. Because like, I, yeah. I think it's funny is um, like a lot. The the one part I liked when I watched it originally, literally the one part was um, in the basement um, when the daughter finally zombifies and um, kills the mother with the um, the spade. Yeah. Um, I. It was the one time I was actually like was like fully engaged and like frightened um, when I first saw it. So like I will give credit where credit's due. Like I think that like the other cast members definitely aren't bad. Like it's just right. a matter of like it just they kind of fail in comparison because it's like one of those situations where you have what's essentially an exploitation film, but with a guy who was like legit. Like it's 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 fucked up how like kind of passed over i guess is the only way i can really the only way i can really think to put it uh dwayne jones was because mm. like i feel like you could put his performances up against like not even just like in terms of his race but it's like many of the other actors that were coming up in the same time and like the fact that he didn't make it to that level is genuinely astonishing because like he proves in this movie he can fucking own a goddamn not a performance he can own a goddamn movie because like in no uncertain like there's nothing there's no way you can look at this movie and not see it as his movie like he yeah. is even though he's not introduced as the lead um barbara is, is introduced as the lead like very quickly on when she kind of passes it over to him when she's catatonic um he fucking owns it like he fucking like not only owns it he lifts the whole fucking thing up like it's not even just on his back and on his shoulders he like fucking like deadlifts that shit up into the fucking air and carries it the rest of the way yeah i think also like you know to be fair to the other actors i, I think dwayne johnson um, dwayne johnson <laughs> my bad the, we should reshoot yeah. the film with the rock as <laughs> as ben <laughs> Nah, then he'd be sitting fucking uh, uh, power driving and shit. Uh, zombies giving him the rock bottom and all that shit. Making corny jokes. Um, but I think Dwayne Jones was probably the only real actor on the set. Because I don't think Carl Hardman, who plays Cooper, was was an actor. Like, he he is actually was one of the investors in the movie. Like, you know what I'm saying? He gave money to the to the production. Him and uh, um, uh, his wife and all that stuff. Um... Marilyn Eastman. Um, but, like, he was the only... I think he was the only real actor. Um, the chick, uh, Judith uh, Ridley, who plays Judy, was a receptionist for Carl Hardman that they put in the movie. And uh, Keith Wayne, who played Tom. That was his name. Tom. 
Uh, I don't think he was an actor anyway. But Romero thought he was going to be a big star. That like he like I we thought he had it, and I'm like uh, no, he did I mean, not. Romero. <laughs> he kind of does just like he he has that like that dreamboat quality. Um, it's kind of like um, what's his name? Uh, Omar Doom that uh Quentin Tarantino has used a bunch of times. Like um, where it's like he has like that quality where it's like I don't know. I mean, at this point, probably not uh, if he'll ever like break out. But I completely get why he gets work <laughs> because yeah, he does have a quality. Like I'll I'll grant I'll credit where it's due. He has a quality. I don't necessarily know that he's a great actor, but he has a quality. Yeah, he has like he has a quality. He just doesn't have charisma. Yeah. <laughs> like like he 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 lacks it in in, in just in abundance. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Uh, but like yeah, you know what I'm saying like. And and it's funny too that we talk about both of these movies and you know what I'm saying because like everything comes back to these two, but also like they they both have that point where like they introduce a woman in the beginning who you think is going to be the lead, and then uh, you know halfway through someone takes over from her and becomes the lead. You know what I'm saying? Well, I will say it's kind of um, it's less successful um, in Psycho than it is in this. Like I was like so like going back to Psycho, like I don't dislike. Um, the like the other like the the other two characters, the Loomis character or the um the sister, um, yeah. but they are not nearly as interesting as characters as Marion Crane is or as um like Janet Lee is in that performance. Yeah. So it's like, to some extent, in the latter half of that movie, <laughs> like I feel like you're less in 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 terms of Psycho. I feel like you're less like um. It's almost like they they didn't hand it off to them as much as they handed it off to Norman because yeah. at that point you care way more about Norman than you do about them, and like this is kind of the opposite where it's like once you hand it off from the kind of uninteresting woman um, to the very interesting guy, the movie becomes exponentially better um, and you're much more invested than you were previously because yeah. really the only like because that opening scene I will give credit where it's due I do think it is um, really for that time like pretty fucking had to be like pretty scary um but like mostly uh it's famous um just because of like the line of like they're coming to get you barbara because it's funny because i actually um i didn't realize it until like the like 57th time i watched sean the dead um that like they're doing that line music we're coming to get you barbara um and like one time um when i was going to get daddy I like said like what's like I'm going to get you Barbara and she's like what the fuck and I was just like oh yeah do you want to understand that reference I was like one day we're gonna watch Charlie Dead and Charlie Dead you're gonna get what well, this is funny I was like or maybe you won't and you'll think I'm insane either way I'm referencing films just let me go let's, let, let, let me go just let me roll with it yeah yeah totally totally um like yeah like I was I was thinking about that you know what I'm saying and and you know because there's that moment uh. Is, is very iconic that we're coming to get you, Bob. Like, whenever I, I realize, because any movie could show Night of Living Dead because it's a public domain, unfortunately. So it's like, it's easy, like, you know, for, like, for other horror movies to just be showing Night of Living Dead, you know. And Which actually, always... though, I will say, I, I don't hate it just by virtue of because I remember um, Joe Lynch saying that, like, they should stop, do people, like, filmmakers should stop, stop doing that because it's a reminder of George getting screwed. And I was just like, fair, but every time that I see Night of the Living Dead in a movie, even when I didn't like Night of the Living Dead, 
I always got like a charge of like, oh hey, like it, it made me happy to see it. So like, it's almost like yeah. the uh, like the Wilhelm scream in movies where it's like it, it made me happy as like a film nerd to be like, oh hey, <laughs> like the Night Living Dead. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but like, like they always sh- like they always start showing it from that moment. Like uh, even in like like uh, not too long after uh, Night Living Dead came out, like they they were showing it in uh, Halloween too. Uh, the we're coming to get you, Barbara. Stop it! You're ignorant. They're coming for you, Barbara. Stop it! You're acting like a child. Look, there comes one of them now. Here he comes. I'm getting out of here. <laughs> like, and then the fucking Johnny's a scumbag. Uh, <laughs> like, 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 of all places to pull that, he pulls that in the fucking cemetery. Like that's fucked up. Like you're a piece of shit, dude. <laughs> but I will say probably like the most effective moment, the most iconic moment is is the moment you mentioned where um the daughter kills uh the wife in the basement in in the in the cellar, you know. And which is funny too because it's also a connection with Psycho and shit. The most iconic moments of both movies is a stabbing death, you know. But yeah. it's 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 a it's a bit more awkward uh in in this one, um. In hindsight, because you know, you never see zombies do that shit again. Yeah. They just they just trying to eat you and shit. But homegirl's picking up a fucking garden implement and stabbing her mother to death. She don't even eat her. She just stabs her and then moves on with her life. Well, her death. <laughs> her, <laughs> her own life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So it's like, uh, like you have that. But like I, I was thinking of it and I was like, yeah, that's probably you know the most iconic moment in in the film um i I will say though that uh the 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 ending though and and the the end credits probably just like are are the most effective to me and i'm saying like you know that that shit lives rent free in my fucking head you know just like because it's such a i remember the first time i saw it you know i'm saying it must have like was it Joe Bob who showed it? It might have been uh, on Monster Vision, but it might have been like it might have been the Sci-Fi Channel showing it because I, I don't think I was even like when did Monster Vision start? Uh, it was in the nineties. I don't remember exactly when, but I remember like it went from like the late from like the mid to late nineties to like the early two thousands. Yeah, like so it must have been before. This must have been a Sci-Fi Channel thing. Um. But yeah. he also he I mean we I don't know if you ever saw it but he was he used to do um yeah it was I guess from ninety one to two thousand, um before the ninety one um he was doing um he did like a show on like the movie channel um that was like his thing I never saw that either but I, I that's why that's where I became aware of him because like that's why when they started Monster Vision I was like oh I've heard of that guy and I was just like so I, I started watching it and I that's why I, I fell in love with Joe Bob because it was just like oh hey like there's like somebody like making commercial breaks somewhat like less painful when I'm watching movies. <laughs> yeah. It's, 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 it's almost like when, when, when he showed movies, like, and like he would come back from commercial break. Uh, it's just like you, you, you want, like you wanted to see the movie, but you also wanted to hear Joe Bob talk more. Oh yeah. That's why it's still a thing with, um, in terms of like, uh, last drive in on shutter where it's like, cause now there doesn't even need to be technically there doesn't need to be breaks at all, but like they do manage to, had the little segments where Joe Bob just goes off, and it's in some cases more entertaining than the movies they're showing, but at least at the very least, it's as entertaining as some of the movies they're showing. And like, yeah. it's just man's a fucking icon. 
Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I love Joe Bob. Yep. But uh, I, I, I don't think uh, that's where I saw it. It may have been the Sci-Fi Channel thing where, where I first saw uh, Night of the Living Dead for the first time. And um, I could tell you when it gets to the end, like I was not expecting it. And uh, Ben is walking out. and uh, Yeah, there's another one right there. Get him right, flat right between the eyes. Bang! Oh! Yeah, that's it. Uh, uh, good job. There's another one for the fire. And then, you know, credits start rolling on it. And it's like, wow. Did that Like, I don't think I've, like, that was the first time I was ever gobsmacked by a movie before. Where I was just like, oh, so fuck me, right? You know what I'm <laughs> <laughs> like, just holy shit. And it's just like, uh... I've never been able to get that ending out of my head ever again. I mean, to be fair, though, I will say the thing about, like, that Romero did that I think it actually, I mean, I don't know if, I, I, okay, I can't, it's very hard for me to put my mind in the mindset of one of those racist scumbags, but hypothetically, hypothetically, if, let's say, there was one of those racist scumbags in the audience, and let's say, hypothetically, um, they became invested enough in the story and because I mean, it's basically Ben's story for being with the honest um if they were invested enough in Ben's story um that like they felt something um when Ben gets shot in the end I mean that could have been like I mean like the I mean again I can't it's I, I, I can't say because like I'll never be one of those motherfuckers but like in terms of like the life-changing power of cinema, like if that in any way affected them as much as it affected like you or I, mm. then that's something. That that's that's the the, the thing, in, in that in that regard, the ending is incredibly meaningful. And I say it would be meaningful even if it wasn't, just by virtue of the fact that like it's that it's a shock, but it's not a cheap shock. Like it's not yeah. like it's it's not like fucking and I don't mean this is an insult because I love the movie, but it's not like the fucking um, end of Carrot or like Friday Thirteenth. Um, it's not like a shock for shock's sake. Like it's a shock because that was like that's real life. Like yeah. there's it's a guy like there are these guys that are going through like mopping up the zombies, and they made a mistake. Like that that not only could happen that probably would happen. Like, if we're really breaking it down, he probably wasn't the only one that was still alive that those stupid motherfuckers killed. Yeah. And so it's like, it's it's devastating, and I feel like that's the point. Like, it's just like, it's not to say, like, it's fuck you, and as much as it's just like, I mean, yes, Romero was angry, but I think it was also, like, the late 60s was, like, kind of the start of, or at least the mist of um, the movies we're talking about in the psycho segment of like kind of like the auteur era. And I think that like that's kind of like something that Romero was doing, where he just was doing it. He was flying under the radar because it was a fucking it was just a exploitation zombie movie, exploitation yeah. horror movie. But he was still doing the thing of making it it doesn't feel like a movie. Like it feels real. Yeah. And that's why it's devastating. Because it's like yeah. it very well could have been, and yeah. like the fact that it's like they kill him, 
and then credits, and there's no like it's just like um like I've told you like off mic before um about our uh my, my when I first watched Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer, and I was so fucked up when it was over that I literally just like because that movie just goes from like ending to credits and there's like nothing it's just like this leaves you yeah it's no like fucking like there's no resolution it's just fucking just you've gone on a journey and the end of that journey is just more hell and like when you're sitting there it's just like i was remember sitting there and being like dead quiet with my friend timmy we both like i had to drive him home we put on our shoes we did not speak i drove him home we did not speak i dropped him off we did not speak till the next morning we were both so fucked up by it and it's kind of a similar thing with this where it's like, it's such a moment of just, it feels so real that it just absolutely crush it. Like, it's just like, and it's like, and that's why I think actually it's brilliant that Romero did. Cause like he is, as much as he is, he is good at doing big over the top, like stuff. Cause like, I mean, Dawn of the Dead is a much bigger film. Day of the Dead is a much bigger film, like whatever. But like this, feels real and that's its greatest strength no yeah yeah totally totally um yeah that's that's the most terrifying thing of it is that it it just feels a little too real it's just like you know even back then he was showing the 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 incompetence of law enforcement (laughs) figures where it's just like I don't know if they're actually are they actually cops? I, mean, I think they're just like a like, like a well regulated militia. <laughs> like yeah, maybe, but like I feel like they they're being like led off by uh like cops or like a sheriff's department kind of thing. You know what I'm saying? Because I feel like just... they're the same dumbasses in my towns with fucking rifles that like walk around and think that they're fucking in authority because they're holding a gun. Oh, like, you I mean like... I don't got the vibe yeah. that they're cops? You mean like the drunken yahoos in Halloween Four who killed Ted Hollister? See, but you're talking about like movies. I'm talking about fucking real life. Like these, these people fucking exist. These people are probably like a block away from me, motherfucker. <laughs> like, no, like yeah, see, that's the most terrifying thing. You know yeah. what I'm saying? It's like you were saying, it all feels too real and shit. You know, a simple hey. You know what I'm saying? Like to check to see if he's a real zombie or not and shit. But like, no, we just see some guy, kill him, boom, and he's dead. You know, and it's just like pure incompetence. It's like these motherfuckers, how many times have they done that? You know what I'm saying? Not not, not just within the movie, but within real life. Because we know these motherfuckers are scumbags and shit who just shoot first and ask questions later. You know, and this one, it doesn't even matter and shit because it's like, oh, it's almost like they got a, a, a license to kill. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's just free. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's, it's, it's portrayed much more uh, thoroughly in Dawn of the Dead. Yeah. Because they're sitting there fucking drinking buds and shit. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, kill that one. Yeah, like, you know, it's fun to them. You know what I'm saying? And it's like, they don't show it to be, like, fun to them in here. But it's like, I can't imagine that they're not having fun going around just killing people. You know what I'm saying? I mean, like, it has an excuse. Oh, they're dead. They're all messed up. You know what I'm saying? And it's like, yeah, and it's like, that's the most terrifying thing. It's just like, you know, uh, Ben spent the night trying to survive, you know, fighting these things, and he just gets killed by his fellow man. And they don't give a shit, you know what I'm saying? Because it doesn't matter. Because it's just like, hey, you know, probably was one of them, you know, who knows? And it's like, how many times have we not seen some shit like that in reality? And that's the most terrifying thing. You know what I'm saying? That's what Romero portrays beautifully, and this is why the ending has never left my mind and shit, and that's why, you know, 
this one sits above all the others and shit. You know what I'm saying? Like, I know a lot of people prefer Dawn and shit because Dawn is a bit more adventurous one. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Uh, I know a lot of people prefer Day. Uh, I think Romero himself preferred Day. Uh, Nico, uh, you know, our friend Nico Nice, he met Romero at a con and he told him that uh, Day of the Dead is my favorite of the dead movies. And Romero told him it's mine too. Um, and it's like, I could, I could see it. I, I used to have that. Cause I mean, for me, it used to be, it used to go, um, of just like, we're about the original trilogy. Yeah. It went, um, dawn, day, night, and now it goes dawn, night, day. With me, it's night, day, and dawn. Uh, dawn sits at the bottom because it has a brown face. Um, <laughs> 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 like, I, like, I'm not even gonna fucking, like, you know. Uh, I'm not even gonna lie about it. I'm just gonna be completely honest and shit. Like, uh, I I I love the movie on the whole and shit, but that I have a real problem with that shit. You know, it, that shit don't sit right with me at all. You know what I'm saying? Like, I love Romero as a filmmaker. It's just like, dude, they had to have been Puerto Ricans in Pittsburgh in the '70s. You know, you can't sit there and tell me that. You know, you couldn't cast uh, Martin in another role. It, you had to cast him as the Puerto Rican. Why did he have to be a Puerto Rican? You know why? Because they were in the projects. You know what I'm saying? And it's like, oh, like, you know, we have to have Puerto Ricans. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's. If you watch that scene, if you watch that scene, it says majority of the tenants are like uh, uh, black or Hispanic. Yeah. Um, majority black and shit. I think Rodriguez was the only Puerto Rican there, you know? And it's like. But, they can't see you doing air quotes, Rob. <laughs> oh, but uh, I'm, I'm making effectively known I'm doing them like Puerto Rican, you know, like and, and the, the line it is a thousand pigs. Like we don't even fucking talk like that. What the fuck? Holy shit, dude! Like this motherfucker been watching too much Chico and the Man back in the day. I mean, day, to be fair, I talk like that. So I mean, like if we're being completely honest. No, I'm, I'm, no, I'm, not the line. I'm talking about the accent. Oh. Like, like he, you hear him go, Jesus Christ, there's a thousand pigs. <laughs> like, like he's trying to do like a Spanish accent, and it's like, what? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, it, it's obviously like he motherfucker must have been getting high watching Cheech and Chong and shit. And it's like, oh, make him sound like Cheech Marin. It's like Cheech Marin is Mexican. <laughs> he's not Puerto Rican. Fuck. You know what I'm saying? It's like Jesus Christ. So that's why John sits uh, at the bottom um, of of the three. Uh, you know what I'm saying? As, as, as great a movie as it is, with the exception of that part, I just I just can't get over that. Um, uh, but like one thing before before we wrap it up is that uh, there's one thing we haven't talked about yet is that uh, I mean, uh, Blood Feast was already out by this point and shit. That was the first gore movie, but this one is the first movie to do gore effectively. Yeah. So I would consider this one the first gore movie, like because that scene where uh, after Tom and Judy get blowed up, um, uh, it, it's funny enough and shit because it's like uh, uh, as as much as I love Ben, like what the fuck was he thinking shooting the lock off the gas pump, and it's like uh, that comes back in the remake, I like and shit. Where Tom does that and shit and effectively blows himself to fuck. Like, yeah, that's that's what actually happened if that shit was done in real life. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Ben was like, Tom, what the hell are you doing? Bang, boom, and they're dead. <coughs> but 
uh, uh, but uh, like it's essentially like, but if you look at it in both versions, is it Tom fucks it up, fucks it up and shit because he can't fucking uh, uh, put the the, the gasoline uh, thing in correctly because he starts pouring like the fucking pulling on a handle and pouring gasoline before he puts it in the fucking truck in the gas tank and and like uh, watch the torch and then sets the fucking truck on fire. Said, so, oh, we have to move it, and then he drives it away. And they fucking say, "Come on, Judy, my jacket's caught." And then they and they and they get blown up. Well, the toy car that they use gets blown up. <laughs> the, the 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 model car and shit that that uh, Romero bought from the from the store and shit for a dollar ninety eight. That gets blown up real good. But the scene afterwards. Oh, I'm sorry, a dollar ninety eight in fucking nineteen sixties money? That was like that was that was that was a very expensive toy car, all right? What the fuck are you thinking? Yeah, that's like, <laughs> that, that, was probably, that was probably like fifteen bucks back then. <laughs> it was seven hundred and fifteen dollars, Rob. That was seven hundred and fifteen dollars in nineteen sixties money. Oh, like yeah Romero went by the castle like, all right, we 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 need a car. Cough up. What do you got <laughs> The, uh, uh, Tom got a nickel over there. <laughs> Car a got nickel? A what the fuck? Are we the Rockefellers over here? <laughs> well, a nickel went a long way back That's in those days. That's what I'm days. saying. Like, they even have half cents back in those days and shit. How do you have half a penny? I don't could, know. <laughs> and, you could, and, you, and you could buy shit with it. Like, I don't even know. Like, like we're so far removed from that time. I don't even know how that, uh, how that currency would work. Half oh, yeah. cent. Dude, a penny. Like, like, what the fuck am I gonna? Like, a penny only exists to like fucking. I mean, I guess you could go the conspiracy theory and exist to get your fucking uh, DNA on it. Um, but basically, it exists to basically be like, hey, remember pennies? Like, they, there's no point in having a penny anymore. What the fuck are you gonna buy with a penny? Nothing. Not a goddamn yeah. thing. Right, 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 right. You just you make sure you have pennies right now to round out and shit when uh, you fucking uh. All right, what do I need? All right. Uh. Three cents here, there. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Whatever. You need to take a penny or leave a penny. That is the only time that a penny comes up in your life. Right, right, right. Um, but yeah, like yeah. Uh, but after they get blowed up and shit, and like the fire cools off and shit. After uh, Ben gets back in the house and he beats the shit out of Cooper, uh, which is an amazing scene to, to watch him beat the shit out of Cooper because Cooper sucks. Um, <laughs> But then uh, the zombies make themselves over to the truck and they start eating the remains of uh, Tom and uh, Judy. And it's, 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 I remember, like, I watched it uh, years ago back in my parents' house. And um, my sister and uh, my cousin Jesse were there. And we were all smoking, smoking marijuana. Uh, <laughs> we, we, we were beaming up the Scotty. <laughs> yeah, we were smoking reefer, um, smoking them tweeds, um, and uh, that scene came up, and, and and I had it playing it, and I was watching it, and my sister, my cousin Jesse, were thoroughly disgusted. Like my cousin Jesse, like like completely, she was just like, ugh, like like just disgusted, and it's like that's the power of this movie, where it's just like, like we could see it now and shit, like that. Uh, I mean, I mean that that arm looks fake. That's obviously a tur- a turkey leg. Well, that thing though is like that that's legit. But it, 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 the turkey leg and shit. But it, but that thing is like it's still real. Yeah, that's the thing that makes it work. Yeah, it's no, yeah, like, totally. Whatever you do now, and I don't even mean this in a bad way, but like it's very hard to get something that actually like 
because you know, like, it's, it's created. Whereas in this case, it's fucking, they're using real shit. Like, they're using real fucking meat. Yeah. And, like, so it's, like, it's very easy for my mind to make that leap of, like, they're eating people than it is, like, when I'm watching, and I don't mean this in a disparaging way because I love the movie, but, like, in Dawn, like, when he takes the bite out of him, and it's very clearly, like, foam rubber and fucking, yeah. like, whatever. So it's, like, it's very easy for me, my mind, to be, like, just, there's no separation of just being, like, ew. Yeah. Like, it's not, like, it's, 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 it's harder for me to get to now than it is at this time. Yeah, uh, the, the, also the scene where, like, uh, the, the the two zombies are fighting over the intestines. Yes. And, and th- th- it's so grody. Yes. Like, to this day, it's so grody. It's like, like yeah, like, uh, and it's funny thing enough that Savini was supposed to work on this movie, but then he, he got drafted into Vietnam. Yeah. Um, uh, but he was able to, uh, I mean, he, he ended up working with George on Martin. And then uh, they went and did uh, Dawn. And it's like, it, you know, it, it, I mean, he had a George had a bigger budget than he did on Night, but uh, it, it still wasn't enough for uh, Savini to do exactly everything he wanted to do. You know what I'm saying? So that's why it's like, you know, when a uh, uh, zombie Richard Pryor takes the bite out of the, uh, the the lady's shoulder, you know what I'm saying? It's like, yeah, it's obviously foam rubber. Uh, and when dude gets the stomach ripped open, his intestines pops out. It's like decidedly bloodless. Yeah. Um. So that's why, like you know, I appreciate Day of the Dead. You know, what I'm saying Day of the Dead, I believe is uh Savini's masterpiece. You know, what I'm saying because that sh- that shit is just like uh. I mean, like I said, I I, I don't want to say much because I don't want to talk about Dead, um, on the show. But uh, yeah, that that movie is like I I I, I will tell the famous story of how I disturbed my father while watching uh, Day of the Dead. I've told it before, but I'll tell it again, but I'm not going to tell it now and shit. You know what I'm saying? So I have something to say. <laughs> but yeah, it's like, you know, so, you know, we're so far removed from like, what, we're going on, what, 60 years that that movie's been in existence? Uh, 68. Um, so is it 55? Huh? Is it 55, I want to say? What? From, from 68 to now. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. About, about 50, yeah, 55, you know what I'm saying? That movie's been around a long fucking time, um, but it's it's still that effective where it's just like it, it, it's it's still grossing people out. Something you know that was made in, in a on a low budget in the '60s, and you know saying it's just like you know had my sister and my cousin just like oh you know like take that Hershey Gordon Lewis you fucking <laughs> you fucking hack. You you had color and shit and, and and your shit still sucked. He was in black and white and shit and three bucks, and and Romero still pulled it the fuck off. Fucking hack fraud. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't care. I don't care. I don't give a shit. Anybody anybody listen to this? Take offense. Take full offense. I don't give a shit. That movie sucks. <laughs> all his, all his movies suck. They're bullshit. I don't I, I don't care. I don't care if like he's the godfather of gore. His shit sucks. <laughs> I want you to be offended. That motherfucker is whack. <laughs> His movies are whack. I wasted an hour of my life. <laughs> if, like an hour felt like three hours of nothing but bullshit. Herschel <laughs> Gordon Lewis sucks. His gore sucks. His movies suck. He sucks. Romero's the king of gore, baby. <laughs> 
<laughs> like, 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 I, I'm pretty sure that man has fans and shit. They're gonna be listening to this. Like, how dare you? No, how dare you like that bullshit? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. If you like it, then, then that's all power to you and shit. But I think it's it's a uh, his movies are a heap of horse shit. <laughs> I've actually never seen any of his movies. I don't think so. Like, I don't have an opinion. <laughs> Pure fucking trash, Patrick. <laughs> You're a fucking trash. Every single one of them. That, that motherfucker has not a single good movie on his resume. Like they, they only exist as like as curiosity. Like oh, like this guy invented gore movies. Like you know he brought gore into movies. Yeah, and they're all pieces of shit. <laughs> no amount of gore with good or bad and shit can make me watch another one of his fucking movies and shit, or make me think any of. Like, you know, like, yeah, I appreciate you. You you know, you brought nice, colorful gore into the scene, but your shit still sucks. <laughs> Fuck your movies. <laughs> Romero's the king of gore, baby. And that's that. I mean, I mean, he had an advantage. He had Tom Savini, who actually seen real-life bloodletting. Yes. You know, you know saying? So <laughs> Savini knew it. Like, yeah, like, uh, yeah, head's not going to come apart like that. It's going to come apart like this. And this is how much blood's going to come out. Like, just imagine working with a motherfucker like that on the side of a movie. I want to break somebody's head open and the blood splatter everywhere. Oh, no, that wouldn't really happen because you're hitting on this side of the head. So, like, only this amount of blood. Like, he literally had that conversation on Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2. <laughs> I'll say where Toby Hooper was like, oh, yeah, we're going to cut. It's going to be blood. He was like, yeah, like, no, because there's nerve endings right here. So it's only going to be, like, like, like blood squirts like going on like that. He literally told Toby Hooper that. And it's like the fact that you know that. Yes, that's deeply fucking... disturbing. I was just like, I'd rather you didn't. Can I hug you, please? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, Romero remains king. Um, God bless that man. Uh, except for the brown face shit and Dawn of the Dead. <laughs> Um, but uh, God bless you for all your contributions, sir. We, we will be talking about you again, uh, because definitely got to do dawn and day. Uh, I, I guess we could do creep show. I was gonna say, there is a monster in it, monster in it. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. I mean, we could just do creep show because Father's Day acts as a slasher film in itself. Fair enough, you know what I'm saying. But you know, just to be on the safe side and shit, we'll find. Slash a movie to pair it with, um, but we we literally could just do creep show by itself. Um, That's fair. That's legit. Yeah, no, yeah. it's like well, I, I mentioned the idea of doing Grindhouse by itself. So like, because it's both. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Because uh, Death Proof is essentially a slasher movie. It's just that the slasher is using a car. Yeah. Um, yeah. So like, we could essentially do Grindhouse and shit. But like, we could essentially do Creep Show by itself as well. Yeah. Um. Uh. I could say we could we could do I mean it'd be a reach, but I think we could do Dark Half. Yeah, that's fair. Because I mean, George, George Stark is essentially a slash movie villain. Mm-hmm. Um and it has one of my favorite, you know, slash movie style deaths in it. I, I won't reveal it because if we do talk about it, I'll reveal it there. But <laughs> it's one of my all time favorite lines in the movie. Like like here's here's the thing, here's the thing. Uh when it comes to Romero and shit, uh as 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 gloriously as I've been talking about night. Um, it's not my favorite movie of his. It's my favorite zombie movies. It's my favorite of his zombie movies, but it's not my favorite movie of his. My favorite movie is Martin. Um, yes. It's actually like I would say Night is my third favorite of his, 
because there's not um there's Martin and then there's the dark half. I, I I thoroughly love the dark half. You like the dark half more? The night, yes. Wow, I, I'm genuinely I, I, shocked. Yeah, like you know, I I think you know what I'm saying because because it, it's weird. Um, me and Patrick were discussing Pet Cemetery. <laughs> yes. Um. Yeah, we 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 discussing that more thoroughly. <laughs> Sometimes we would de- we would definitely get into it. We will definitely get into it. Like there's a, a double entendre right there. <laughs> oh, that's not gonna be a happy one, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> but um, no, because I because I was remarking that uh. Because Romero was supposed to direct uh, Pet Cemetery. Yeah. Uh, I remember uh, Michael Gornick, who was um, uh, Romero's preferred cinematographer. He he revealed when he uh, on the commentary for Creep Show too. He saying he said that George was supposed to do that. He said, "I wish he had, I wish he had, and I wish I shot it." Um, like and there's that, and I I believe Romero had Bruce Campbell. In mind for the role of Lewis Creed, and right. okay, that would have been rad. And 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 and, and like, I, I will definitely get back to this and shit. But it's like the thought that the movie we yeah. could have had versus yeah, the I movie. Know. I know. So you see, you see my dilemma. <laughs> I am just judging the movie as it is, but fine. Yes, I do think that like that 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 does sound like a cool in my in my head. The movie that I am seeing right now is a cool movie. It's a very cool movie. Um, but, uh, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, because he was great friends with uh, Stephen King. And he was supposed to do Pet Cemetery, you know, that stuff. But he didn't get to do that. And he ended up doing The Dark Half. And it's like, I feel like The Dark Half is Romero his most grand. As as far as, like, like filmmaking. Like, it's like, you know what I'm saying? Like, he's he's obviously a great filmmaker. You know what I'm saying? There's There's no denying that. Um, he's had his stumbles, you know and I'm saying, uh, there's a, what the fuck was there's always vanilla, um, uh, and the season of the witch, you know, uh, I'm not too big on the, I, I prefer the crazies remake over his original. Oh yeah. Um, I actually yeah. hadn't seen the original until last year. And like, I was just like, wow, I don't like this at all. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I mean, there, there's parts of it that I like, but like, and I think the, the themes are cool. I think the themes actually... Um, he explored a little bit better in the crazies than he did in Day, just by virtue of the fact that, like, I the the in Day the zombies are still basically the villains, even though like the um you know like the uh, military are definitely like the like de facto kind of villains. Um, whereas in the crazies, the military are very clearly the fucking villains. <laughs> like, it's like yeah. it is not subtle. Like, it's not even like slightly. It's not like it's like a hint. It's like no, no. no. The government are the bad guys. Yeah, yeah, most definitely. And there's not even like a zombie apocalypse to blame it on. It's just like, nope, the government are just bad people. Yeah. It's like, you know, so between Knight and Martin, it was just like, uh, you're, kind of, you're kind of on weak footing here, buddy. And then, like, you know, he rebounds with Martin. You know, my all-time favorite movie is his. I mean, it's weird because we could essentially cover Martin by itself. Because Martin is... "Quote unquote," a vampire movie, and Martin thinks he's a vampire, but he, he's also essentially acts as a slasher. To be fair, I haven't way- seen them. I haven't seen Martin since I was a kid, so I only kind of vaguely remember it. 
I, I love that fucking movie. So no, I, I want to watch it again. I just haven't watched it since I was a kid. Yeah. Um, and then right it's after that. It's not exactly easily available. <laughs> no, no, unfortunately not. Uh, fuck you, Richard Rubenstein. Um, uh, and then there's Dawn. Uh, and then, what was it? Knight Riders. And then, uh, like, from Martin to, I would say, Day. I mean, it, it's like it, he had a good track record because... Um, I mean, it, it goes on how you feel about Monkey Shines. That's what I was going to say. I was like, Monkey Shines was actually the movie that I was alluding to, and I don't mean in a shitty way, but I was just like, it's no offense to him, but I was like, anyone could have made that fucking movie. It's not like it's like, it was, it's not like a Romero, like, I don't know. For like me, that? at least, it's not like, it's just like, yeah, I'm not really against it. It's just like, it's just, it's very by the numbers. I was about to say something, but I'll take, I'll, 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 I'll hold off on it. <laughs> But um, and then like you know there was a dark half after that, and then it's just kind of like uh, two evil eyes, which I still haven't seen. But like I'm Nor I'm curious, of, like I'm curious of like how the movie actually is because I felt like with that pairing of Romero and Argento, it, it should have been a bigger thing than it actually turned out to be. Because I, I no, because it was supposed to be Romero, Argento, Carpenter, and I believe Craven, and Craven was like nah, and then Carpenter was like nah. I think Carpenter just went out to do body bags instead, which uh, I, I, I greatly uh, like body bags. Yeah, I like body bags, too. Yeah. Um, but, like, yeah, it's just, like, Romero seemed to fall off after that. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I've never seen Bruiser. Nor have um, I. I actually have never seen, um, what's the fucking, um, is it Knight Riders? The one that took the fucking? Yeah, Knight uh, Riders, yeah. I've never seen that. Yeah. No, Knight Riders is fucking great. I saw the first couple minutes of it, and I like I didn't dislike it, but like for whatever reason, I didn't get to finish it. And like, so yeah, like cause I, I just remember like I didn't even know it existed until a few years ago. Like somebody posted a picture, and I like I looked at the poster, and I was like, "I'm sorry, what the fuck is that?" And like they were like, "It's like oh, you never heard of Night Riders?" I'm like, "Apparently, fucking not." <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it's like we're definitely coming back to Romero um, in the, in the near future. You know, because how could we not? I mean, we're we're coming back to all the four horsemen. Yes. In the, in the near future, you know, it's definitely coming back to Carpenter. Yes. Because that's the king right there, baby. Yes. But like, they're all they're all kings. You know what I'm saying? All four of them. You know, God bless them all for their contribution to horror. Uh, God bless them all. <laughs> and with that being said, uh, the uh, the thing that would do it for our discussion. We've been here a long fucking time. <laughs> like, I mean, at least with this, uh, at least with night, we stood mostly on topic. The psycho just turned into its whole fucking thing. <laughs> but but like, I did bring up some of my psycho shit in this, so it's fine. If you're listening to the whole thing, then you're getting all of my psycho thoughts that I can think of. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it's like, you know, this, this, you know, this is who me and Patrick are. You know what I'm yes. saying? <laughs> I mean, it would be even worse if Lindsay was here and shit. Because me, <laughs> me, me and Lindsay are the king and queen of going off on tangents. You know, like we we, we, we talking for four hours and shit. Spent one hour on the fucking topic <laughs> at hand. <laughs> but yes, um, that would do it for this uh, episode of Chainsaws and Clothes. We hope you enjoyed. Uh, we're everywhere as far as uh, where you listen to podcasts and where you know. You're on uh, social media. We're there. I like when you, you say, us. like, we're everywhere. It's always, like, vaguely threatening. <laughs> we're everywhere. <laughs> I'm going to say it like that from now on. 
Like, uh, if you're looking for us, we're everywhere. everywhere. All right, Frank Welker. <laughs> all right, all right, Doctor Claw. Well, that makes sense because you are the claw. Uh, <laughs> yes, like I'm, I'm the chainsaw, and and Patrick is the claw of chainsaws and claws. That's how I, it I worked out. That. That works. <laughs> <laughs> all right, we hope you enjoyed everyone, and we will catch you next time. Oh, <laughs>